Welcome back to Free Agent Fridays on The Andrew Hain Show. In this series, we highlight the careers, accomplishments, and aspirations of all the free agents in the sports business world looking for work in the midst of COVID-19. In today's episode, Andrew sat down with several free agents to discuss their careers and where they hope to go in the future. But first, a word from our sponsor. What's going on, everybody? This is Nick Lawson from Squad Sports. We're really excited to be supporting the Free Agent Friday series. A lot of great talent out there. Without further ado, this is the next free agent you should be signing with your sports team. All right, we're back for another Free Agent Friday, and I've got Anthony Rizzo with me. Anthony, thanks for joining me. Yeah, th- thanks for having me. I definitely appreciate it. So um, walk us through where you where you went to school, where you're at school, um, kind of degrees, that you're working on now? Sure. So I'm Carolina. Um, and so on, I went on a track scholarship to Queens University of Charlotte, um, small D2 school right outside the, the center city. Um, got an undergrad degree in sport management. Um, did a few internships throughout my time there. And then afterwards, um, that eventually led me here to Florida State, where I currently am in between my first and second year of a master's degree in sport management. So when you were in um, college in North Carolina, what, um, what, what uh, part of the track and field were you in? What event um, I was in? in the sprint, so primarily okay. 400, um, but also ran the 200, four by four, um, but picked the, or got handed the most grueling race that you can <laughs> get in track and field. I know some people would say the 800 as well, but the four and eight right there, they're, they're tough races for sure. But I, I made my way through it. So how many years um, did you participate in that in, in school? Um, so I graduated in three and a half years. I brought some credits from high school. So I ran for three years. Um, it yeah. just, I finished up the December of 2017 and that was before any of the season even starts. So, and I didn't really have a master's in my mind at that point in time. So um, I just kind of wrapped it up that third year and, and hung up the spikes and went on my way. So at what point did you realize you want to get into sports as like a career? Yeah. So I think I basically have been participating in sports in some form or fashion since like second or third grade, um, played baseball then switched to basketball for about eight years. Um, I actually only ran track for two years in high school um, before I got the scholarship and went to college. So um, that was pretty proud moment, I guess. But it was when I got to Queens that I learned that you could get a degree in sport management and you could kind of that. I had kind of been under the idea that I was going to get a major in marketing or business or something and then maybe try to get into sports or however that was going to work out. Um, but once I got there and found out about that degree, I was like, oh, well, this is even better. I can learn about sports and get an internship and get a job. Little did I know how hard it is to get that job. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that was kind of what led me to kind of pursuing the, the path that I'm trying to pursue. So what is going to be like, what's your dream job in sports? Yeah. So, I think to be honest, I, at this point in time, I don't unfortunately have a dream job. Um, I know that I want to stay in the events industry, um, whether that's event operations, stadium operations, um, anything in that area. 
Um, I think if I choose to stay in college athletics, I'd eventually like to get to that conference level um, and kind of oversee championships. Um, I, I did a volunteer experience this, this past March um, with the women's ACC tournament right before everything with COVID hit um, and really got to see kind of the ins and outs of what goes on to put on a championship event like that. And I've done some, some work here at Florida State with cross country and soccer championships, but that, that experience was just kind of eye-opening to me and it really, I enjoyed that aspect. I mean, I was out there on the court handing the championship hats out to the NC State women's basketball team. And it was just kind of like, wow, this is, I've been on the athlete side of this, but to be on the, the worker side of it um, was definitely something that, like, like I said, opened my eyes to the potential of that as a career. So when you graduate, what will be, what is kind of your target, you know, first position? Is it going to um, be more of the ops or more of the event planning? I think just based on some of the feedback that I've gotten. Um, and then when you start to look into some of the job descriptions and everything, um, and a lot of times with college athletics, like it is at Florida State facilities and events, it's all one department. Um, I know like Clemson, for example, they're, they're split up. Um, but I, I'd say staying in college athletics is kind of either or. Um, I've talked to a few people recently at the professional level to kind of get an idea of what the jobs look like there. And I think I would trend more toward the stadium ops side of things, just because you're talking about overseeing guest services or security or any of those, those items. Whereas the events at the professional level is more of your kind of overseeing the entertainment and the, the run of show and, and all of that. Um, and, and from what I do here at Florida State, it's working with security, working with ADA seating, working with um, just those pieces and doing facility walkthroughs and everything throughout the week. Um, and so I think that professionally, I would turn in that direction. College athletics, I would try to remain exactly where I am with the facilities and events. So tell me about um, any of the internships you had so far or volunteer stuff. Let's get into that a little bit. Yeah, so I went through Queens and basically the summer after my sophomore year, um, from there until I graduated, I did an internship every semester. Um, nice. I was really, I wanted to try, I jumped around a lot just because I was under the idea of let me test out all these different areas to really find out what I wanted to do and what I didn't want to do. Um, so I, I started out with the Gastonian Grizzlies and like baseball operations and then went high school and um, kind of nonprofit organizations and um, did an internship outside of sports with Northwestern Mutual to kind of answer the question of, do I want to stay in sports or and take the pay cuts and the hours or do I want to go elsewhere? Quickly decided would like to stay in sports. Um, but I think it was, I did, the, I did an internship with Living Sport. It was one of the first ones that they did and went to Milan, Italy. And I think that experience, we helped put on a, the Red Hook Criterium, a cycling event over there. And I think that experience really opened my eyes to events. Um, and so from after that point, I tried to align what I did to the events industry. So I graduated, did a trainee position with a hospitality and events agency, then tried to 
that ended, got some feedback from supervisors, and I was like, I've always had a passion for college athletics. Why not try to take this interest in events and operations and go the college athletics route? Um, ended up with UNC Charlotte and ticket operations just because there's not just one area of operations within college athletics. Um, quickly realized that tickets wasn't where I wanted to stay, but I did in, at the time enjoy being in college athletics. And I knew that to progress upwards, I was most likely going to need a graduate degree. Um, and so that kind of led me here to Florida State um, to pursue that master's, but then to do a graduate assistantship with the facility and event management department. So what kind of um, stuff are you working on with Florida State then? So I work under basically the head of our department. And actually when I got here, he had just been promoted, but he was still overseeing kind of football game day operations. Um, so I was very football heavy in the fall. Um, that'll be this coming fall. But just like making credential boards um, up the meeting with uh, or overseeing some of our gate management, ADA sections, uh, facility walkthroughs, all kinds of things with that. Um, but then outside of football, really tried to stay involved out with cross country, with women's soccer, uh, men's and women's basketball. Um, that was actually the basically the day that the ACC just kind of canceled everything across the board with all their events for the rest of the season. I was supposed to start as the event manager for a tennis match at five o'clock that day against Duke. And I had everything planned out, had all the meals scheduled, been in contact with the officials and everything kind of got shut down. And I was like, well, there goes my event manager experience. <laughs> so um, that's definitely something as I entered year two that I'm excited for because I know the, the experience I'm gonna need to to some of these entry-level positions um, with other athletics departments where you're in that role as event manager with, with several different sports. What is the biggest asset that you bring to the table for your next position? Um, I think going back to that college athletics experience, it's any of the intangibles that kind of come with that, um, just the, the hard education, the self-motivation. Um, but I think from some of my internship experiences as well, effectiveness to feedback. Um, as a college athlete, you're always getting feedback from coaches, from some of your teammates. But actually, in my case, with only two or three years of experience before I even got to college to run, I really relied on that feedback to how can I get better in the 400? Where am I losing time? What's What can I do to improve? And I've learned in some of my roles working that how to take that feedback, how to look for that feedback, um, because I understand that it's sometimes it's constructive criticism, but it's for the betterment of my career. It's only going to make me a better professional as I move forward. Um, and so I think just the overall receptiveness of being able to come in day one, not knowing everything, but being willing to, to, to even if I make mistakes or when I make mistakes, to be able to take that that feedback um, and implement it immediately for a, um, a better result moving forward. So what area do you think you need to work on the most? Um, definitely confidence. I was raised with high expectations as my parents kind of set that um, early on. And so it kind of, that 
goes with me as I grow up. And I mean, there's definitely the, the plus side because you, you always expect the best um, and, and you want to get good results. But on the negative, you always expect the best. So I think I can be critical of myself and that confidence can really come into play because it's if I don't feel like I know everything or I, I feel like I'm unsure of stuff. I'm typically a very personable person in general, just very high energy um, and outgoing. But if my confidence is, is lower then the personal nature is going to be hindered. Um, and so it's something I'm still continuing to improve on by just asking more questions, um, trying to ask the right questions. And so if I can go into an event or go into an experience feeling more informed, it can go up and the skills that I know I have and the experience that I've I've gained throughout my time so far can come to light um, and I can put my best foot forward. I mean, it's always, a, there's always, you know, stuff to work on, you know, even when yeah. you get old like me, so <laughs> you're always trying to improve. So oh, yeah. just keep working, keep working. How would you um, define success? Um, I think, Again, from the athletics perspective, because that, that is, I guess, kind of who I am, just a retired athlete. But, um, you, you would define success as having a championship trophy in your hands at the end of the day. Um, but I think I've learned from a professional side of things, um, especially in the events industry, it's being able to best experience for everyone in attendance. Um, so it's when you talk about leading up to the event, throughout the planning phases and preparation to being event day and operating and executing everything. Um, mistakes are going to happen, but you try to be as flawless as possible. Um, but making sure that you can provide the best experience for the, the, the guests that are in attendance. I think that's another reason why I enjoy being in events is because so many experiences when I was running, when I was at conference or at all these different track meets or playing basketball in AAU or what, what have you, and the experience that I got, it's something I want to pay forward to other college athletes or other fans that are in the stadium is to give them the best experience possible. And I think if I can leave or watch them leave at the end of the day and, and head to their cars to, to go wherever and they, a kid's got a smile on his face or the parents are really happy or whatnot, I think that's from an events perspective, what you can define um, as a success. Yeah. And I, very rewarding to see as well just Absolutely. from being in it so it's one of my favorite yeah. times is uh really opening day when you know nobody sees all the work that's done behind the scenes oh, yeah. um yeah. you know nobody understands it but they come out they have a blast and job done you know well yeah. so yeah. Um, nobody understands what I, I don't think anybody understands what event management actually means they just know there's all these different things that come into play yeah. on an event day with concession security putting out all fires without anybody knowing there was a fire <laughs> exactly so it's all the behind the scenes work but it's just the, the the experience of what happens and the memories that fans get is what our job i guess ultimately results in give us a um fun fact or two about yourself um, well, I won't keep harping on the college athletic standpoint. I think I've dropped a yeah. few here and there, but, um, I actually, my sophomore year 
um, at Queens. I was I participated in the our theater production, The Twelfth Night by Shakespeare. Um, I was Sir Toby. I don't know how much you know about the that story, but I don't. Um, but it sounds interesting. <laughs> no, it was one of those experiences that it was trying something new, kind of broadening who I was and, and kind of getting out of just the, the mold of going to class, going to practice, doing an internship. And I, I mean, I think that doing that experience alone, not only did I learn more about myself and kind of get out of that comfort zone, but the time management that was involved with that, um, like I said, balancing track practice and all the classes that I had and, and learning lines and, and going to our rehearsals and everything, that was definitely something that it, it took a lot, but when I look back on it and kind of got through that opening night and just the experience that I had, I really enjoyed it. And I think it's, if, if I would have had the opportunity, I think I would have done some more, but again, after that point, I needed to start doing internships for the, for the better. Yeah. Um, but that's something that I will always look back on. It's just kind of one of those experiences that I, I wish they could have gotten it recorded and I could have got a copy of it because my parents <laughs> weren't able to make it and uh -huh. they would have loved it, but, and I could watch it, but no, that was, that was definitely um, an amazing experience. And, it's right. good to get out of the comfort zone every now and then. So, oh yeah, I mean that sure. that's me with my podcast and doing the free agent Fridays. It's, it's definitely, um, out of my comfort zone. So it's, uh, yeah. it's been fun though. It's been fun. Yeah. And you so. build like a new set of skills and, and, and traits that you might not get elsewhere. So, yep. um, that's definitely, I mean, being in a theater production kind of helped me become more comfortable speaking in front of large groups. I mean, it wasn't yep. a, huge group that was there in attendance, but mm -hmm. still it's a group of people. Um, and so then when you get into the public speaking atmosphere, you can kind of look back on, on those skills that you gained, um, doing that. Yeah. Well, no, I, I'm, I mean, it sounds like I, I really like the fact that you've done a lot of, uh, volunteer and internships. I know when I look for, for people, that's one of the first things I look for on the resume is what's your real world experience. Um, yeah not just the degree. I mean, the degree is nice, but, um, you know, really what have you done? And, you know, yeah. were you just focused on schoolwork or partying or were you focused on, <laughs> you know, developing yeah. your skills as well? And, uh, so it's, it's good. Keep that up. That'll definitely help. And hopefully, um, you know, we can help and, and follow your, uh, your journey as you, you graduate, um, next year. So thanks for joining me. No, thanks for having me. I, I definitely appreciate it. All right, we're back for another Free Agent Friday, and today I've got Hillary Goldberg with me. How are you, Hillary? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? Doing really good. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to speak with me today. So let's get started. Um, tell us where you went to school and your degrees that you have. Yeah, absolutely. I went to the George Washington University. So in Washington, D.C., I studied sports, uh, sports management and marketing. I was a dual major and then I minored in communications. Uh, I was also a rower there for four years. So I was on the on the team there and got to compete and made some of my best friends at GW. Nice. So you uh, were on the row team all four years? All four years. Yep. Okay. I was a rower in high school and then in college as well. How about internships? Did you do any internships? 
I did actually. One of my professors at GW um, was the the vice president of entertainment at the time. Now the president of, of um, the venue at Capital One Arena, um, David Tui, and I was uh, an intern for the Wizards during the fall of my senior year, and then um, I was an intern for the entertainment department. After my internship with the Wizards wrapped up, I walked into his office and said, so how can I do this on the entertainment side for the spring? And so had a very nice experience being able to work in an arena and get the exposure from the team side as well as the entertainment side. When did you realize you wanted to be kind of in sports and entertainment? Early, um, before that ever happened. I'm a big music fan. You know, a lot of my, my profession is all in sports, but I am a very big concert goer. And I have this very distinct memory, actually, um, of going to a concert at what was the Verizon Center, now Capital One Arena, um, with my dad. And we went to go see Coldplay. And we got there early and saw the the professionals and and the folks working the concert walking around with their badges and i just pointed to them and i said i don't know who they are and i don't know what they do but i want to do that that's very cool what's your favorite concert that you've been to oh gosh that's a tough one oh that's a real tough one i've been to a lot of really good ones i am a huge jason mraz fan I've seen him in concert well over 15 times. And at this point I've lost count. Right, that's um, getting but, borderline stalkerish. <laughs> that bad, I swear. But there was one show that I went to, you know, solo, went ahead and splurged for the front row ticket. And it was an absolute blast and I wouldn't change it for anything. So what's your ideal position that you're looking for now? What I would really like to do now is focus on building fully integrated and innovative partnerships. I think, you know, the sponsorship world is and has been changing and really evolving to where logo sponsorships are going to be a thing of the past very soon. And it really is about integrated mutual partnerships and um brands helping properties and properties helping brands and uh i i really want to be part of that process building those partnerships and then what's your dream job i'm gonna go pie in the sky that's it <laughs> um, <right. laughs> as a as a former athlete and huge olympic nerd i think my my dream job would be president of the ioc nice that's a good one second to rock star but you know <laughs> one can dream yeah well at least you got two options yeah exactly <laughs> so walk me through your resume after you got out of school yeah i was very fortunate in the fact that um i i achieved one of my career goals straight out of school uh, i knew that i was not in a position to compete in the Olympics, but I am um, very much a believer in the movement and a huge fan of the Olympics in general. So that was a career goal of mine was to work in Olympics. And I had the opportunity to start my career with NBC Olympics on the operations side. So I started working on several programs for them that were really internal focused um, and, and not forward facing. I, I worked very closely. Um, with uh, inside the game services team. So I always describe it as it was our job to make sure that the produ production crew could do their job. 
Um, and it was a really great exposure to the entire operation of what it takes for a broadcast to come together, especially one that that has so many different locations. And, and really, I was in a unique position to have exposure to a lot of different departments. Um, I was I started at NBC on a contract basis, so I, I had a short experience with Octagon working on a couple of accounts for them uh, on their BMW and Clear accounts, which was very consumer facing and focused on building a, event marketing and bringing a BMW drive program out to um, drivers and BMW owners so that they could test drive in unique scenarios. Um, and then I went back to NBC where I continued uh, some of the, the merchandise programs and the, the operations programs that I had been working on. I launched um, uh, the retail store that they have. It's, a, it's an online retail store for a specific NBC sports product that's sold to employees and used for business purposes as well. Um, and then I was looking for a change about 2015, so decided to try the agency side and made the transition to Aquarius Sports and Entertainment um, after eight years at NBC Olympics and have since been on the, the sponsorship side and working with clients, managing their partnership portfolios and really helping build and maintain uh, those relationships, making sure that we're seeing the return on investment and constantly evaluating their portfolios to make sure that we're achieving their business goals. When, while you were there, was there any projects that you're most proud of? There's a couple, there's a couple. The last account that I was working on uh, um, prior to, to COVID was really bringing to life a new program to the, the sports industry, which I'll touch on a little bit lightly because we never really got to fully announce it. So I, I don't want to get ahead of, of the program itself. Um, but what I was really proud of was being able to contribute to the strategy of how we were going to bring it to market and how we were gonna be positioning a, a new program to really help teams um, broaden their exposure and bring in new fans and really engage fans in a different way. Um, and I was, I was really proud of being able to put together a strategy of, of how we were going to um, bring that program to life, target teams, and really present the opportunity that that would, um, that that would give to them. Nice. It's always fun to be there from the beginning of a project, you know, help create it and mold it and, you know, develop it. So yeah, absolutely. What would you say are your biggest um, skills that you'll bring to a new position? I am a people person. Um, I do not shy away from difficult situations, working with difficult people. I think I really excel working cross-functionally and I genuinely enjoy understanding the business, right? Not only the marketing goals, but what, how does the business operate? I think there's a lot that goes hand in hand with having a deep understanding of, of the agency brand property relationships and how each of those pieces operate inherently because I, I do believe that beyond just marketing there can be a lot of efficiencies and a lot of um, yeah efficiencies and innovations that can be created and found by just having a deep understanding of how all those work and, and being able to find synergies between each of the, the properties involved in the process. With that being said, what do you think you need to work on the most? 
You know, it's interesting that you ask that. Um, I will fully admit that data analytics is not my strong suit. So that's actually something that I'm using this time to lean into and, and take some courses online to make sure that I am bolstering those skills and, and can really leverage those so that um, I, I can bring that to the table without having to, to lean on outside parties for analysis of information that might already be in-house. With your next role, are you looking for something that is local? Or are you open to relocate? I'm open to relocating. I'm in the DC area now, but um, you know, I'm I'm open to following the opportunity. I think uh, there are definitely some opportunities that I've that I've seen that unfortunately haven't come to fruition, but that I I would jump at uh, in a heartbeat. And so there's nothing wrong with a little bit of change now and then. How would you define success? So. There's a couple of things that mean success to me. Um, I think that's a really interesting question because there's there's just so many different aspects, right? Personally, professionally, how you marry the two. Um, I think how I define success is making an impact, um, whether that's providing advice to a newcomer or a student who's trying to get into the sports business, whether that's presenting an idea that really is a game changer, whether that's being able to bring a solution to a challenge or a project or a problem, um, but being able to have that, that impact and make a difference, I think really um, is something that, that means success to me. Um, and then going back to what you said earlier, being able to see a project all the way through, see it from the beginning, get it off the ground and really see it through to fruition um, and, and look at kind of the work that you've been able to present and accomplish. You know, that's a very satisfying feeling is to really um, bring a project full circle. How about a fun fact about you? Oh gosh, <laughs> let's see. Here's a fun one. I once took a zip line off of the Great Wall of China. What? <laughs> yeah, back when I was working with uh, NBC, I was very fortunate. I traveled to four different Olympic Games, my first of which was in Beijing 2008, and had a couple of days on the tail end of my, my stay in China. And so some friends and I decided to, to hike the Great Wall. There was about, uh, I think it was a 10-mile stretch that you could hike, and then your way to, down to the van that would take you back was by zipline. Wow. How high up was it? Oh gosh, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> Probably I, man, I can't. That would be, I don't know if I could do that. It was a blast. Would I you never, do it again? I never, I would absolutely do it again. I never thought that I'd be able to say that I did something like that, but I, it was a blast. <laughs> that's cool. I'm and especially with being able to travel for the Olympics. That's uh, that had to be pretty, pretty good experience. It was an amazing experience. I've been to uh, places in, in the world that I honestly never thought that I would go otherwise. China is a perfect example. Um, I was always very intimidated about traveling through Asia just because of the, the language barrier. It's drastic cultural change. You know, I was 20, 21, 22 at the time. Um, and I would not trade that experience for anything. I would go back in a heartbeat. It was absolutely beautiful and, and an amazing experience. And was very fortunate to also then be able to travel to um, Vancouver, London, and Sochi. Nice. 
Very, very interesting. Well, I appreciate you joining me and hopefully we can help get you some exposure. I'm sure you'll be back at it, you know, pretty quickly. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me. Well, we're back again for another free agent Friday. And today I've got Tanner Worley with me. Thanks for joining me, Tanner. No problem. Happy to. Glad to spend some time with you. Yeah. Well, let's get, let's jump into it. Tell me um, about your college experience. Where'd you go to school? What, what degrees do you have? Yeah, no. So I went to Texas a and um, like many other people in Texas uh, find their way to. Um, so I went there, uh, majored in sports management and have a business minor as well. So I actually ended up picking up a few degrees into my MBA um, right after college. Um, I didn't finish it, but, uh, but yeah, it was a really good time for us Aggies. First year, Johnny football uh, okay. was, was my, I, I got him. Um, a little fun fact about that, actually. I met Johnny in Dallas the night before the Arkansas game when he was a freshman, just the quietest guy. We had dinner together. It was just like a group of us, really nice guy. And then the hell happened? everything happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's very interesting man. to look back on. Tell you what, man, you, you start, that ego starts, starts growing a little bit. Yeah, it definitely changed people big time. So at what point did you decide like you wanted to get in the sports? Yeah. So it's really interesting. I didn't really know, honestly, until I took an internship. I knew I wanted, you know, I, I like that world. It's, you know, at least for my father and, and my brother, it's really just following your passion. And that was mine as a child and as is most kids. Um, but it, I didn't really learn that it actually could become a, an option until I took an internship with the Houston Dynamo. Really all I knew was ticket sales. But when I went to the Dynamo, um, I got the sponsorship side uh, and the client like activation side. And at that point I knew, Hey, if I'm going to do this sports, I want to be on the sponsorship client side. That's like, that's where I want to be. So that was kind of the first taste of it was pretty late into my college career when I realized, Oh, this is going to be a real option for me. So, you know what though, I, from doing all these free agent Fridays, I mean, it's, it's a common theme. I mean, yeah. And I look at it, I'm like, well, hell, I'm, I'm 41. And sometimes I feel like I don't know what the hell I want to do. So, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's a lot coming out of school, like, you know, and, and then opening your eyes to a whole different world that you weren't expecting. Yeah. And I think you learn, especially for the internship side, you learn a lot more what makes a sports organization, team, league, like what's it, what all makes that tick. Um, it just, from the outside looking in, you can see a few pieces, but there's so much more to a team or league. Uh, which means there's more opportunity. So, so what do you, um, you did an internship with the Houston Dynamo, any other part? Uh, that was my, that was my only major internship. I actually ran a business when I was in college. Okay. Um, what kind of business? Little, those bounce houses, those little blow yeah. up houses. I actually ran a company that actually paid for my entire college. I started it with my brother in high school. We ran, I ran all the way through college. Just hustling, um, man. I love it. Yeah. You just got to. So, yeah. All right. So, so you got the Houston Dynamo. What, um, what was your next venture in sports? Yeah. So I ended up moving to Dallas after that with Learfield. Um, this is before Learfield IMG super company. This is back when it was, I think at the time, 54 schools. So before all the acquisitions, I think they um, do almost every school now. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty small shop back then. Um, so I I got in, I got in there um, on the research side and that's where I really found kind of this niche of the sports sponsorship research and really kind of found my passion and, and really what I have a lot of experience in now. Um, but that's kind of where I started. And that was great because I got to see Learfield transition to acquiring Nelligan and a few other companies to really grow to, I think, 
the first time around there at 120 schools when I was there. Okay. So it grew a lot over time, which was great for me being a young guy at college to really be at a very stable corporate um, structure like that and get to work all across the country with these different schools and different markets and helping guys sell uh, and close sponsorship deals. So what kind of like research were you done? Yeah. So it mainly focused around um, working with Nielsen Scarborough at the time. That was kind of the main tool that we were using. Obviously there's a lot more now, but um, <clears throat> that was what we're using then. So looking at demographics and buying habits, but also that's kind of where I cut my teeth on custom survey writing. So looking at um, brand, awareness, brand lift studies, um, things along those lines. So there, if you, for a while there, if you took a survey uh, from a Learfield property, uh, there's a chance I wrote that survey in the, between nice. this little window of time, uh, which is really good. And that's, that's again, that's a, another passion I found. And uh, when it comes to research and writing custom surveys, I just, I really believe in stuff like that. I think that's the best case when it comes to trying to find this ROI that everyone's looking for. So kind of walk me through the rest of your resume. Yeah. So went to Learfield, loved my time there. Um, as a young guy, I was helping some of these really experienced guys, you know, assist them in closing some major deals across the country. And I thought, well, you know what, I want to give that a go. I'd like to, you know, try my hand at selling. So I wanted that opportunity. Um, at the time I was dating my wife, I didn't want to leave DFW, even though Learfield offered me a great opportunity uh, at Army in upstate New York, nice. which was a great property, a great brand. Uh, but I ended up moving to actually FC Dallas, so just up the road in Frisco. Um, great team there, worth a lot of great people there. Uh, a lot of them are still there. Some of them, Matt McKinnis was our VP at the time, who moved to the, the Cowboys, back to the Cowboys, I'll say. Um, so I did about a year there selling and then Learfield called me again to open up, uh, help open up a property um, in Denton at North Texas University. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so that was great. I got to go start a property with a great GM, Joe Dominguez, uh, from the ground up, um, looking at new assets, building out raid cars, establishes this relationship with the university. I really, I really enjoyed it. It was a, it was a great opportunity. Um, but I knew that research was really my passion. I, I'm glad I got the sell side. It really helped me kind of think about, you know, I used to just hand research over, but now I was the one actually presenting it and pitching it. So it really helped me understand, hey, I need to focus and kind of distill this research so that it's easier for these sales guys to then go and give it to the clients. Um, so it was, it was a great experience for me. And that's when Topgolf actually called me to, um, you know, the sponsorship world, especially the research, it's a real small one. It's a real niche one. So when things come up, <laughs> there's usually like a couple of people that get called about it. So I was one of the people that nice. got called. Uh, and uh, that was a great opportunity. I mean, I really couldn't turn down getting the chance to kind of build uh, the research department at Topgolf from the ground up on their partnership side, um, which was awesome. That was a really cool experience. I got to work with the team over in the UK as well. So I got to work all across the country and then internationally um, and got to establish a lot of great processes there. Um, and then most recently, Saatchi and Saatchi working on Toyota. Um, again, blue chip brand, uh, yeah. you know, working for nor across their North American portfolio for their national events, kind of overseeing that strategy and measurement uh, for those. And that was a great opportunity. I couldn't turn that down, but then COVID-19 kind of destroyed all of live events. So, you know, yeah. there's no live events. There's nothing that really needs to be measured. Um, so sadly, I got that cut, but um, it was a great experience getting to work for, again, another blue chip brand, another global brand, um, more so on the buying side. And that's something I really enjoyed. So, so like, what is your ideal position now? Are you looking to be more on the, the analytics side or and research or the sales side? Yeah, I think 
you know, if there was a world where they both coexist as the same world, that'd be ideal because I'm yeah. very passionate about research and I can sell research. Um, so if that does exist, then I'd be all for that. But I think if I'm going to go work for a property or a brand, um, either one I'm, I'm very open to would be more on the research side. I just think that's more so for my skill set. Um, I bring just more to the table when it comes to an opportunity like that, as opposed to just a pure sales role. Um, so yeah, that, that would, that would be ideal. Um, in the meantime, I've been uh, doing some uh, projects for some brands kind of on the side, some uh, contract projects with some naming rights evaluations, um, things along those lines. So I'm picking up small projects as they come up, uh, which is great. It's always good to, you know, keep that muscle strong in terms yeah. of well, you know, stay, stay in that network of people too. Yeah. You know, just stay fresh. Uh, like with that being said, do you need to stay in the Dallas Fort Worth area? Or are you open to relocation? Yeah. So as of now, I do need a studio in DFW. Just for okay. saying some things that me and my wife are going on. Um, that's not to say that's forever, um, right. but that's just kind of the current situation that we're in. And to be honest, I mean, if you're if you're stuck in one market, I mean, that's not, not a bad. A bad I mean, yeah. I mean, you, there's so yeah. many opportunities around there. Obviously, you know, they're limited now, but you know, the hope is that things start progressing back and. You have, you know, all the, all the major leagues, all the minor leagues. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of great agencies here too. Wasserman just opened up an agency here working okay. for AT&T's business. So, um, yeah, luckily it is, you know, much better to be in this market than Beaumont, and, Texas. Than where I'm at right now. Yeah. So, <laughs> no. So what would you say is like your biggest strength? Yeah. So, I think the ability, and again, this is, I mean, you would probably understand it as well. Um, and some of it's not necessarily, I mean, I got a, this similar question from um, an SMU group that came into Topgolf. Um, I would say just the ability to have been the opportunity of seeing so many different things. So across major league soccer, across um, a lot of college sports of different levels, uh, the ability to have seen professional sports at different levels in terms of sponsorship assets and kind of pricing and structure and how these assets actually play out on the field. And now with Topgolf and Toyota, this live event space. So I just have been blessed to have a lot of experience that I can bring ideally to a brand or property that's looking at all these different areas to say, you know, I have experience in a lot of these and I have experience in measuring these. Um, so it's not just saying, Hey, should we do this? It's okay. Are we going to do this? And then how, how are we going to yeah. measure this effectively to tell us that this is a good idea or this is working or not? I've luck, I've you know been blessed to be able to have done that in a lot of different areas. Um, so I would say that's probably my major in my opinion and my ability to just think analytically about, um, you know, how to use data to not just tell a story, but then make actionable insight. Um, you know, a lot of people can just show spreadsheets, but then if they don't do anything with those spreadsheets, what was the point of making the spreadsheet? Um, so I, I really like to lean on the ability that I do have the ability to turn that stuff into actual data that you can use yeah. and make decisions off of. Well, well, we'll have to talk another time because I'd love to learn. I, you know, that's an area that I really have never gotten into. Um, yeah. I've, I've always been on the, you know, the partnership side um, or sales uh, ticketing as well, but you know, I'd love to pick your brain on that some more offline, but yeah. What area do you think you need the most work on? Yeah, I would say when it comes to, especially if it's going to be on a property side, um, just the selling aspect. Um, you know, I, I think internally I do a good job selling kind of what I believe in. Um, but you know, if I'm going to be in a sales type position, that's just something that I haven't had to do in a long time. I just haven't had to like sell. Um, and it's something that I have experience in. It's just a muscle I haven't flexed in a while. So I'd say more so on that side of things. 
how about, um, you know, how would you um, define success? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, for me, it's, it's pretty simple. Um, I would say in a perfect world doing what I love to do, but as, but as a minimum, just providing for my family. That at the end of the day, like that's what I'm trying to do. I love what I do and I love that I get to work in this space. Um, but at the end of the day, it's making sure that my wife and my future kids are provided for. So at the end of the day, like it, it really boils down to that, to that simple fact for me, at least. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, I think family is, you know, a big part of it. So, yeah. Um, how about a fun fact about yourself? Give us something good here. Yeah. So I told you I met Johnny Menzel, which I'm, which is a fun fact, but also like, who's this guy hanging out with? If he's right, yeah. this guy, maybe that's not a good thing. Like, yeah, maybe not. What well, else were you doing? Like that. Um, I would say honestly, my party one is that I owned a moonwalk business. Like that is the one I go to just because right. you know, I, we grew up mowing lawns, me and my brother. And we're like, well, there's gotta be a better way to make money, man. And we saw one just like this in like in a park and we're like, what is that? And we looked into it and we built this business. And then, you know, it's so funny that we ended up selling it like these two teenagers or at the time, I guess I was like 18 in college when we sold it, but we sold it to grown men. Like we sold this business. And I think they were, we actually got my dad involved because we felt that they were going to try to like really strong arm us (laughs) at this two, like 18 and 21 year old trying to sell this business. Um, But that's probably the funnest fact that I have. Uh, <laughs> so have you thought about getting back into business again for yourself? I mean, it's, it definitely has pros and cons. I mean, absolutely. I'm always looking for opportunities. That's why I've done this consulting things on the side, looking yeah. at real estate investments. It's, it's always good to have passive income. Um, yep. and then future income, especially when times like this hit, right. Yeah. Um, and I've got time to read and study. So I'm, I'm always looking, I'm always looking for a, for a hustle. That's for sure. That's cool. Well, I'm I'm getting ready to start another um, podcast called Biz Builders. So okay. I need to have you come on that. And we can talk about how you started that. And yeah, I, I love. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've, you know, up until January, I, my last job was when I was 19. That's awesome. So I've always kind of been doing my own thing. And let me tell you, it was an adjustment in this position, and it, it, and ultimately it didn't work out. Like just due to that, I mean, yeah. production and and all that stuff was through the roof. It was just it's just not a good fit. And yeah. I think, you know, from doing these podcasts and talking to more people, I mean, I think the number one thing is, is the people. Yeah, you know, for sure. You, you got to be, you know, with a, the group of people that, uh, that mesh well and yeah. some great people here just, you know, just wasn't, wasn't vibing. So, yeah. Um, no, I agree. No. That's, I mean, see, that's, that's what, I mean, as a kid coming out of college, I just mesh well with the hiring person at Learfield. And that's what got me the job. And then that's what we're, I mean, right. I, didn't, I mean, how do you come out of college with like this pre, this pre re, sponsorship research knowledge? It's just not something yeah, that exists. Typically not right out of school. We well. and uh, I, I agree so much with that. And that's, I've been a product of that. So yeah, um, I agree 100%. Well, I appreciate you joining me. Good luck. We'll try to do what we can to, you know, help get you some exposure. And yeah, I, appreciate uh, it. I definitely want to stay in this. touch. Good luck with this. It's clearly picking up. So. It's been awesome. I'll tell you what, I've met some great people so far. I think I've done 24 that are uh, released and maybe another handful that uh, will be released this week. So, okay. but it's been great. I mean, it's, you know, I'm learning, I'm getting a lot out of this as well, personally. So it's kind of yeah. like, it, it's very rewarding too, you know, trying to help, help people get back in the, the, the swing of things. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's a great idea. 
We're back for another Free Agent Friday, and today I've got Carl Lowe with me. Carl, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. So, Carl, let's jump in. Um, tell me about your college education. Yeah, so I went to Radford University after transferring from a local community community college. I earned my degree in exercise sport and health education, concentrating in the sports management and earning a minor in business as well. When did you kind of decide you wanted to get into the sports business? Yeah, um, early into my college career, I had initially wanted to open my own restaurant, but sort of heard a different calling and pulled into the sports field, started learning how to get out to community, getting that field, getting that bite from the bite and pull from the sports field. What do you think is kind of like, what's the ideal job that you're looking for now? Right now, I would like to get back into um, professional hockey. I would like to get back into one of the minor leagues and trying to help grow hockey more in the South, trying to work with one of these teams in the southern, southeast of the state, trying to grow hockey more into the South of the country. Well, it's always good in the South, too. It's warmer yeah. in the winter. So <laughs> I love it. Love the Southeast. How about um, um, any specific, you know, uh, area like ticket sales, sponsorship sales, community relations, any area that you're looking for in particular? Yeah, I really enjoyed the ticket sales and community relations. That's being out in the community, just trying to get the team out there. I really love getting out in the community because then when you have kids, little kids come up to you and say, hey, do you remember me from this part community event we were at? I really enjoyed talking with you. Just seeing the excitement, saying, saying, hey, look, I met somebody cool and I could see them here in their work environment. They're having fun, interacting with everybody, big party type atmosphere. It's really like, really enjoy seeing that excitement from the customers saying, hey, we met you at a community event and we see you here at this, your, your own work environment, you're welcoming us in and making us feel like we're part of your organization, even though we are coming in as a fans or customers. When you were um, attending college, did you do any internships? Yeah, so I actually had several internships. Uh, one of the first ones I had was I actually worked with the Radford Division Three ice hockey club team. I went to all of their games, helped with all the off-ice officials and off-ice management. Also worked with the Radford Athletic Department my senior year there. I worked a lot with – I worked with the tennis and baseball and some of the basketball programs, setting up the press conference role, setting up the officials' locker room, making sure they had drinks, paperwork and all the game information there in the locker rooms for review. And also interned with the Lynchburg Hillcats in 2015 under the guidance of the great Ronnie Roberts and Josh Duffy. What kind of stuff did you do uh, with the baseball team? I was a general intern, so I got to do a lot of the community events. Uh, everything. <laughs> a little bit of everything. I did a lot of the on-field promotions. There was some press box work, working the scoreboard, and handing out game programs. Pulling tarp. Any questions. Did you get to pull tarp while you were there? I pulled quite a few tarps or quite a few uh, early mornings where we had to get there and get the tarp on or off. And then a few torrential downpours where we had to, had to stand on the tarp until grounds crew could get the sandbags out there. Nice. I just I just got into baseball this year, and uh, I'm glad I haven't had to do that yet. You know, I wish I wish I would have with the the season, but um, I, I'm 
I hear stories about it. So it's fun. So after um, you got out of school, uh, what was like kind of your next position that you got? After school, um, the next position I got, I stuck around Lindbergh for a little bit to China while reaching out to other teams. So I remained as a cook at a local restaurant and then went to a party rental company where I got to go down to the community, set up tents and tarps, tents for community events or private parties. And then eventually I got the call from the Norfolk Admirals to come down and join the sales staff. Nice. So when you were with um, the Admirals, what was your role there? I was an account executive. So when I first got down there, I was mainly in charge of helping grow the season ticket holders. And then after a few leadership changes in the organization, got to do more of the corporate and group ticket atmosphere, which was really fun. I really loved getting out into the community. Went to several of the Chamber of Commerce meetings, got to meet local business leaders, seeing and finding ways to get the admirals back into the community and up into the Hampton Roads of the Hampton and Newport News area and their in their location. That's a big area too. I just was down there about a month ago to, to check out a, the area. It was a fun atmosphere. We had a good, we had a good sales staff and then we were able to cover the entire area and try to grow hockey back into the area. What would you say is kind of like your biggest asset that you um, have that you'll be bringing to a new organization? Yeah, I'm a go-getter. I don't, I keep trying to find ways to get in, make ideas and opportunities grow and work. If I get a no from a company, I'm going to not, I'm going to find somebody else to talk to, try to find a better connection or better entry point and finding ways that I, where I went wrong before and trying to correct that and represent the idea in the ways that makes better clarifies what I was trying to bring to the table. What do you think is the biggest area you need to improve on? I can get some tunnel vision at times. If I'm working on a task, I may miss a key point where I have to go back and retrace my steps to see where I went, where I lost track of something and readjust so I can incorporate that missed point back into my sales pitch and my work ethic so I can become a better sales rep. You know, throughout your, um, sports internships or with the admirals anything um stick out that you're most proud of yeah um, one of the things uh, i was most proud of was when back in norfolk i there was a few companies that hadn't been out to a few games in a few years and i was actually able to find a, the one contact where i worked with a gentleman at a summer scout camp from 10, 13 years ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> left him a voicemail. When, I, when he called back, I was out at lunch, unfortunately, but he was like, wait a minute. I know your voice. Are you this person from the scout camp? Wow. So reaching out to other former scout friends and reconnecting with them and bringing out their business. That's one of my favorite things to do. That's pretty cool. Now, did you grow up in the Norfolk area or? I actually do. I, um, Grew up in Lynchburg. I was from, okay. I, re, I was raised in Lynchburg, but I did grow up. I spent two years in Northern Virginia while my parents were still transitioning out of the military. 
So since you've worked with the admirals, is it, um, we always debate this, Norfolk or Norfolk? Uh, that's a good <laughs> question. Uh, I never got it right. I always got the jokes <laughs> from the people I was talking to about it. it was like, are you, I know you're not from this area because you said it this one way, not the other way. <laughs> it all depends on that region where you're, or that section you're talking to. Yeah, gonna I always it. thought that was funny. Um, I've had some people that I work with that uh, uh, went to college in that area or something, and they're always correcting me. I always say Norfolk, so right. I'm wrong, I guess. I'm right in my own mind, so that's I'm going to say it how I think it is. Exactly. Uh, so how about, uh, give me a, give us a fun fact about yourself. Yeah, so I was born in the Pentamol Canal Zone, former parents were in the military, and nice. so I spent, I was born there, and we lived there for about two years before we moved back to the States. Pretty cool. So with your parents being in the military, did you kind of travel, did move around then? We did move bit? around a whole lot. Uh, we did spend a few years down in the Central America, and then we moved back to the Northern Virginia area. And then we, after that, we transferred and stayed down here in Lynchburg. Nice. When in your next position, um, are you pretty open to relocating? Yeah, I'm definitely open to relocating. I don't mind traveling. I okay. was like getting out and exploring the new scenery and culture and just trying to see what I can find to be fun. Well, it sounds like you're a hockey fan. Is that your number one? It is, uh, sure. followed closely by baseball and then football. So who are your favorite uh, sports teams? Uh, for I do like I do follow the Nationals and the Capitals. Okay. Also, since I'm located in Central Virginia, I also follow the Carolina Hurricanes as another hockey team. And then for football, it's going to sound weird, but I follow Miami. And I'm such so People like away. Miami Dolphins? That's weird. Yeah. No. <laughs> There's a lot of Dolphin fans out there. Yeah. No, that's cool. Well, no, I appreciate you joining me. Um, hopefully, we can help get you in front of some people, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely stay in touch. Yeah, sounds great. Thank you for having me. Well, we're back for another Free Agent Friday, and I got David Gugliotti with me. How bad did I butcher that up? <laughs> uh, I mean, that was all right. It's Gugliotti, but that was, that was close enough. It was close. I, I just, it just rolled. It was good. It rolled. All right. Well, I should have went with just David G. There but you go. I didn't want to do that to you. <laughs> no, thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having um, me. Let's uh, kind of go through your college experience. I mean, sure. uh, obviously, I, I, I'm guessing maybe Oregon based on uh, everything I see yeah. on the screen. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, my former position was the uh, director of esports at the University of Oregon. Uh, prior to getting hired there, I was a student, a uh, grad student, getting my MBA in sports marketing. Been living here for about three years, originally from Connecticut. So it's, uh, wow. it's good to be a duck. Wow, whole way across the country. Yeah. What, what drew you out there? Um, so I had some, some family out here. So I was always kind of familiar with Oregon and the Ducks. And when they would come home sometime uh, to visit other family members back home in Connecticut in the fall, we'd watch football together and, and rooting for the Ducks and stuff like that. Um, but when I realized that I wanted to go to grad school, um, I knew I wanted to get into like a sports marketing type program, sports business, sports marketing, something in, in the sports field. Um, and doing my research on different schools, UO has, has one of the best ones in the country. So I, I wanted to make it a reality and, and here we are. <laughs> what made you kind of want to get into the sports side of things? Um, I mean, sports and, and specifically esports has has been a, a major piece of, of my life, uh, going as far back as I can remember. Um, you know, it was football, basketball, lacrosse for me growing up. And after practice, after all that, 
I would get into gaming because it was a way for me to kind of let my body relax, but keep my mind active and my mind moving with stuff like that. Instead of just watching TV or something like that, you know, if there was a football game on, I'm watching the football game. Right. right. But, uh, but if it wasn't on there, then I would try to do something uh, a little more mentally active, like playing video games and stuff like that. When, while you were in school, did you do any um, internships or anything? Yeah. So for undergrad, um, I did an internship at a nonprofit um, for grad school, uh, I interned at two different esports organizations and then did an internship with, with UO itself. Nice. Nice. I mean, esports is like blowing up. Like my son is 16, knows way more than me. Sure. Uh, but it's fascinating. We are launching a gaming company. You know, I've owned sports teams for like 20 years now and he, uh, he's 16. It's finally something we, uh, can do together. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. um, but so we'll pick your brain on it some, but, uh, so tell me about the internships that you did with, um, esports teams. Yeah. So, um, they were both in between my first and second year of grad school. Um, one of them was uh, like a social media manager, social media marketing position where they would come to me with ideas and I'd say, Hey, that's a good idea. Here's how we can engage better on it. Or that's not a good idea. Let's kind of revamp that a little bit. That one was, was very short, very, very basic. Um, the other one was, uh, like a startup organization, where it was a little bit of everything, kind of like what I did after I got hired by UL here. Um, but it was some marketing, some management, some finance, kind of a general like advisory, I guess you could say position um, to make sure they were kind of checking the boxes along stuff, working with some really, really great people um, and made sure that they they were keeping their their boat going in the right direction for what they were doing to, to launch their, their new platform. How is your skill level actually gaming? Um, I'm okay. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm not the greatest. Not I really, like when like, I was, could, could you play professionally? No, no, okay. not, not even yeah. close. Not even yeah. close. No, no. That's, that's why I am. I'm not the, coach of the our teams. Side, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people like when, when, you know, working here at UO as the, the director, a lot of them would think I was our coach and I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not teaching these players anything that they don't already know. They're way better than I am. Um, so, you know, I'm the director, not the coach. I don't actually improve their, their skill level. I make sure everything around our our whole program worked. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Uh, I can hold my own, but I'm definitely nowhere near good enough to go pro. (laughs) So tell me about, you know, with university of Oregon, how Mm -hmm. was this an established program or was it, were you kind of helping launch it? Yeah. So I, I basically created it. Um, when I was uh, a grad school student here, it was just a, a League of Legends club at the time and it only had a few people in it. And when I first got involved, mission number one was to grow it and make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and that's kind of what we, we set out to do. Um, we made it, we changed the name. We kind of rebranded to make it more indicative of everybody because it wasn't just League of Legends players. Yeah, that was like our primary, you know, 75% of our group, but we had Call of Duty players. We had Overwatch players. We had, you know, players of all sorts of different types of games, not necessarily just for competitive purposes either. Uh, The community and like get together and hang out and have fun was a big piece of it as well. Um, So in between my first and second year of grad school, grad school here is a two-year program. Um, In between the first and second year, I pulled the competitive teams out of the the student club and we found a house for them in club sports where that way they could be served a little bit better for their competitive purposes that way it allowed the club to be way more focused on engaging the community having fun hanging out doing stuff like that 
Um, and then after I graduated and then got hired to be the director, it was my job to basically build the program officially at the school from, from scratch, from the ground up. So it was then taking our competitive teams out of club sports where they, they just found their home to be in the new esports program here. It was sort of engaging our community instead of as like a student level, as the school now engaging it. It was setting up our broadcast classes. It was building out the esports lounge. Um, it was all the stuff that goes into to making a successful full collegiate esports program. So where did you get all the knowledge to even undertake that? Yeah, um, well, through just through my, my life experience in the world of gaming, uh, my best friend was a professional Call of Duty player. Okay. So that's kind of what exposed me way back um, to, you know, hey, this kind of organized, structured, competitive gaming can be a thing. Um, then it was working with the students and seeing how big of a community. I mean, gaming is a regular part of life for, for everybody now, right? Whether it's somebody that's a hardcore competitor trying to go professional or it's grandma playing a cell phone game, you know, solitaire on her cell phone, right? It's kind of a regular piece of mainstream society now. Um, and it was, how do we bring those students that didn't have a home on campus back to connect with campus again? gaming is a great way. There was no home for gaming on campus, right? You can go to a football game, you can go rock climbing, you can go to the craft center, you can do all these things on campus. There was no home for gaming. And that was part of my job was to create that home uh, for a huge portion of our students. So did you guys get to a point where you started generating any revenue from it at all? Uh, yeah, no. So um, our esports lounge opened up about in, on February 20th, which was about four weeks before the school shut down for Corona. Um, so right when our like physical space opened up where they could start potentially seeing some revenue, uh, it got shut down right away. And, and just to be clear, like the initiative wasn't a revenue generator. Okay. It was a student experience booster at the school. Just like, you know, there's the radio station and club sports, like, right. Those aren't to make money for the school. It's to make students have something to attach to have a better experience at college. That's also going to help, especially with the, the growth and the explosion of esports. that's going to bring a lot more students to the school. Yeah. Right? No, so definitely. that's, it's not a, a direct revenue generator. I, guess. Well, I didn't so know like, you know, I know some of the schools have like, I think you guys might even have like Learfield or somebody like that, that sells partnerships for different sports or, yeah, wow. so athletically, we have IMG Learfield. For the school, we have Fermata. Um, we are not part of athletics, so we okay. actually got to do some of that on our own. So part of my job was to, you know, I had a $0 budget, was to figure out how are we going to get mice and keyboards and headsets and jerseys and backpacks and all the, the cool stuff that we needed. And some of that was through, through partners and sponsors that, that I generated on my own through the program. Um, so a lot nice. of that was kind of boots on the ground, you know, making sure we were following the, the regulations and stuff that the school had, right? Like, hey, we're a Nike school. We couldn't get a Adidas on board, I'm sure, as much as they would have loved to. We're a Pepsi school. We couldn't get, you know, Red Bull on board as much yeah. as they tried to. Um, so, you know, I kind of had to play within the rules and especially being a, a, a new program um, that a lot of people don't know a whole lot about or how the industry works. Um, there was definitely some challenges there, but but um, everything was a success well beyond what we expected for for the first year, even considering uh, COVID. Are you so? I take it you're probably looking for something in esports. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and um, it's where I want to make my home. Any open to any location, or you need to be on the West Coast or Oregon. Yeah, um, as long as it's within the U.S., I, you know, I want to stay in the U.S. Um, yeah. As long as it's within the country, I'm, I'm fine with wherever. East Coast, West Coast, coast, North, South, doesn't doesn't matter to me. What was the biggest challenge that you overcame, you know, launching that? Yeah, just doing it all without um, 
having uh, a blueprint in place, you know, I had to make my own playbook. I had to call my own plays at the line of scrimmage and make audibles where I need to do, I make a football reference to everything. Yeah. Uh, I had to, you know, I had to do all that, you know, live and on the fly. The, the analogy I always used was we were flying the plane while we were building it. Um, so something would pop up and it's like, okay, let's do that. Um, all sorts of, you know, I never worked in higher ed, right? So I had to learn the, the processes and procedures <laughs> and how to navigate that. You know, I had um, a sponsorship offer from a company and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I found out that would have broken like a giant contract with the school. So I had to decline it, which, which hurt because, you know, we, yeah. we need money to do cool things. You know, you see a lot of other schools, you know, they're hiring coaches and giving away scholarships and doing all this crazy stuff that we weren't. And because we didn't receive that direct funding from the school outside of building the esports lounge. So part of my job was to figure out where does that come from? And now with all these, you know, restrictions in place, it made it very, 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 very challenging to do. Um, you know, I couldn't go to donors to try to get money. I wasn't allowed to ask people for money, um, which a lot of other schools are doing, you know, a uh, uh, funding stream. I was like, why don't we do that? I'm like, Hey, you can't. Um, so it was, it was learning, you know, those, you know, working at a, such a large institution like UO, it was learning how to, how to play on that field and do everything appropriately, knowing that we were kind of the new guys on campus and we had to kind of be extra careful to make sure we didn't, we didn't mess anything up. What do you think is the biggest, um, asset, um, or skill set that you're bringing to the table for a new job? Yeah. Um, just leadership. Um, you know, being entrusted to build this program from scratch, basically by myself, showed a lot of confidence in, in my abilities as a leader, as a trailblazer, to take us where we want to go. You know, building the the voice of what we wanted UO Esports to be, building the brand of what we wanted UO Esports to be. You know, that those were kind of two of the biggest things that I focused on was how do we create our own voice and our own brand and our own identity within something that's already exists in the collegiate space and is very powerful, right? Everybody in the world knows what UO is, right? It's a, it's a big time school like that. Mm -hmm. It's not like I was at a very small community college where, you know, outside of a 20 mile radius, people don't really know what that is. Yeah. So how do I make us stand out amongst our own peers, whether it's, you know, athletics, the, the softball team or the basketball team, whether it was other programs at the school, how do I make our voice count? Uh, how do I brand us appropriately while also staying authentic? Um, authenticity is the single most important thing when it comes to esports. Bringing me in, someone that was involved in the industry as a player, as a competitive player, as a community member, now transitioning to that professional role kind of helped us stay authentic and on track. Um, you see a lot of colleges starting esports programs and they can't even spell esports right. They're throwing a, a dash in it or a random capital letter and it just, you know, it's not authentic and, and people can tell and people make fun of it, right? Uh, people in the gaming and esports world are very intelligent and they're quick to respond favorably or unfavorably to things when they, they sniff out something that is either A, authentic, or B, not authentic. They react very swiftly and very accordingly. What do you think is the biggest area you need to work on? Uh, I think just having, so my, my uh, in between undergrad and grad school, I intentionally immersed myself in different aspects of business. I spent some years in sales, did some years in finance, did some years in operations. So I think it's, it's going deeper with those where I'm pretty well-rounded um, but I don't have, you know, eight years experience in this one specific highly right. specialized spot. Um, so, you know, looking at my role here uh, as a director, you know, it's kind of like an athletic director, but I was also our finance person and our marketing person and our social media person and this, that, and the other thing. So, so I mean, you were typically the GM basically. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's yeah. to make a sports analogy. I was, I was our GM yeah. um, where, you know, I had control over every single thing that we did. Um, but just from a professional standpoint, you know, I don't have nine years experience of social media marketing. What kind of budget did you work with there? 
uh, none. So you just had to raise everything yeah, like through pretty, in kind pretty. and just, you know, however you could. Yeah. Basically outside of the construction of our facility, the esports lounge and purchasing a few small supplies for it. Um, everything else we had to go through our, our partners and sponsors. So essentially wow. it was on a $0 budget, uh, which was Damn. quite the challenge to, you know, when, when other schools are trying to poach our competitive players, Hey, we're going to give you, you know, $20,000 a year in scholarship. I'm like, see you later. Have fun. You, know, you guys didn't even offer scholarships. No, we, we didn't have any, any funding to do that. Wow. Uh, so we're one of the very few schools that doesn't. And despite, you know, some of those challenges, I mean, we have an amazing program and we won a bunch of championships. Uh, you know, we're going up against, we just won a Valorant championship and beat UCI. UCI is like the, the golden child of e college esports. Everybody wishes they could be UCI. They have scholarships and staff and trainers and coaches and all this crazy stuff. Um, and we, uh, we took them down on the championship and it felt pretty good. I mean, you, you got me convinced. I, I'm, I think I'm ready to hire you. I mean, you hey, know, I need the help. We're going to talk start. after this. All right, that sounds, that sounds good. I mean, you said your son play, plays good. What's, what's his game of choice? Uh, I know he does call of duty, uh, Valorant. Yeah. Um, you get a scholarship. I mean, he can anything. Go He's 16 right now. Yeah. So, Perfect. He, you know, my background's minor league sports and yep. I'm trying to understand the esports business. I don't understand yeah. it. I think once I understand it, I can turn it into something. Yeah, and, absolutely. But I need somebody like you we'll talk. <laughs> that can do it. So, we'll so, um, it's, it's so cool. And I think it's, it's just going to explode over the, you know, Absolutely. Absolutely. year after year, it's just, you know, growing. So there's a really interesting thing that has happened yet in esports that has happened in almost all traditional sports. Like growing up, did you play any sports? Yep. Okay. Yeah. How did you first get into your sports? Uh, I mean, like I got interested in sports probably from, you know, TV and then school. Yep. You and then know. did did a parent or a guardian sign you up for a league? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Did you do that with your son too? Yeah, I did. Right. I don't. It, it, you know, well, I was right, in high right, school, but right, yeah. Right. So that's called generational pass down, right? The parent passing it down to their child. Yeah. That hasn't happened yet in esports because no. most people in it are in their teens, twenties, and thirties. And if they yeah. do have kids, they're probably very young still. Yeah. So 10, that 15 exponential years. growth has oh, yet yeah. to even happen yet. So the as big as it's blowing up now, um, especially with with COVID. Um, advancing that even more. I mean, once generational pa pass down happens, it's going to be like the biggest thing. So yeah. there's, there's a lot of growth that is still going to come in the short term and especially in the long term. What is um, a fun fact about you? Ooh, fun fact about me. <laughs> um, I once saved a retired nun's life. What? Yeah. I so was, tell uh, me about that. How'd that yeah. Happen? So uh, it was over summer when I was an undergrad. Um, I worked for my family construction company. We built basketball courts. So okay. I built a whole ton of basketball courts all over the Northeast. Um, we were in New York in uh, New Rochelle and I went up to like lunch to go get a sandwich or something from the deli nearby. And on the way back, I saw this elderly woman, very elderly woman sitting on the ground in front of like her lawn area, uh, like, kind of like leaning up against uh, like a brick wall, like her, uh, you know, outside in front of her yard. And first I was like, eh, that's kind of weird looking, but she seemed all right. She was just kind of chilling. Um, so I kept going and I was like, something's just not right about that. And I looked in my rear view mirror and I saw like blood coming down from her, her neck area. And I like oh. slammed on the brakes, hopped out of the truck, ran over to her. She was a retired nun that would go on her afternoon walk, like around their, like, I forgot the name of like their nun house area, yeah. like the block around there. 
and she slipped and fell and hit her like chin neck area on the brick wall and like gashed it open. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, Oh, I needed to save you. So call 911. Like I was like, okay, like I'm gonna stay with you. She's like, go to this house right here. We have a medical team in there. They'll get there before the ambulance. So like I run over there. I'm like pounding on the door. I'm like, help. Like you need help. So they sent people out. The ambulance got there. I left before, like once, you know, their staff came out, yeah. I, you know, I had to get back to work. My uncle, of course, yelled at me for being late coming back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure, you saved somebody. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, yep. Thanks, Uncle Jim. Old school, old school Italians for you. Um, and, uh, yeah, so she, uh, she, ended up, she was fine. You know, she got little stitches. She was good to go. A few days later on that same job site, I put a nail through my arm uh, while I was taking some wood out. And so I was in, like, the nurse's office getting it, you know, because it was, it was at a college campus. So I had to, like, okay. you know, fill out an accident report. And they sent me down to, like, the infirmary to get it cleaned out. Right, It was a nail in my arm, so I had to get it cleaned out. Um, and while I was in there, they're like, oh, there's, there's this, this kid that, that saved this now the other day. I was like, oh, it was like on the corner there. Like, yeah, I was like, yeah, that was me. They're like, wait, what? I was like, yeah, that was me. She fell, she cut her open, and like, it knocked on there. Like, oh my God, like, you need to stay here. And like, all of a sudden, like, it, it was like a religious college. I forgot the name of it. Like the lead priest and like eight of his nuns were like, you're a hero. We've been praying for it. It was like the wildest thing ever to, to experience that in the middle of building a basketball court. But, that is pretty yeah, cool. Especially uh, like, you know, in the future, you know, yeah, obviously yeah, they're yeah, talking about it and it's right. like, Oh wow. What's yep. the, what are the odds of all that? Yeah. That was a, that was a wild week for me down there in New Rochelle. So that's fun. <laughs> well, David, I appreciate you joining me, man. We Absolutely. could spend a lot of time with uh, what you've done. So I, hopefully uh, some people got a good taste of uh, your experience and hopefully we'll get you back in the saddle somewhere soon. Yeah, I definitely hope so too. Um, whether it's with another college, a pro organization, a brand in the space, um, you know, I just want to make, make a difference and be an impact player for them. All right, we're back for another Free Agent Friday and I am with Arvid Nett. How are you, Arvin? I'm doing well, Andrew. Thanks for having me on the show. Glad to be here. Appreciate that. I take it you're a big Kobe Bryant fan by the jerseys. <laughs> I am. Uh, growing up, he was uh, he was that guy to kind of uh, model, I guess, your persistence or uh, your personal journey after. Um, yeah. Ever since he passed, of course, uh, rest in peace to Kobe Bryant. Um, I decided to make sure the decorations were out and about so people could see how big of an effect he had on my life. Yeah. Well, I, I love his work ethic. It was yeah. it was, uh, it was awesome, and just uh, it was good to see. Um, it was definitely sad. Oh, so yeah. I agree um, with the uh, worth ethic claim. Um, yeah. I think the big thing with him was like, you know how he had like the Mamba mentality. Yeah. Um, it was just awesome to see him jump from one discipline to another. Like he was starting to do really well um, in the movie making business and some of his other. Much everything he was doing. He was killing it. I know. And, and I think that's, uh, that's something I like, I want to take with me for the rest of my life that like, yeah, he modeled his entire life around basketball, yep. but he didn't stop once basketball was over. Um, and I think that's an important thing that I can take from, uh, the way he lived his life. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. Um, Let's talk more about um, your school, your college, um, you know, tell us where you went and kind of anything that you studied there. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I actually went to Humber College here in Toronto, Canada. Um, so I actually went twice to Humber. So my first was an undergraduate Bachelor of Commerce. It was business management, but I specialized in HR, so human resources. 
Uh, I worked for a couple of years before going back and doing a postgraduate certificate in sport business management. What is kind of the ideal position that you're looking for now? Yeah. So right now I, I really want to get involved with uh, like the community outreach. Uh, I know a lot of sport organizations or even uh, if they're privately owned that they have like a charitable arm. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to get involved with getting sport or activity um, and engaging the rest of the community with that. Um, that's a type of position that I'm looking for. Uh, that's great. I mean, sports are a great way to bring people together from all walks of life and backgrounds and everything. That's what I love about sports. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, oh God, I'm sorry. That's all right. Um, I, I think exactly what you said, like all backgrounds. Um, I think most of the friends I made growing up were always, you know, I'd randomly meet them in a park. We just start throwing a ball around or kicking around and stuff. Um, and then those, those are the ones that like you kind of remember cause you, you know, whether you were on a team or you're competing against them for some reason, that just, for me, it always clicked um, in terms of like uh, fostering that relationship with them. Um, so I really enjoy that aspect. And then just having like different neighborhoods play different types of sports. So I've always just kind of embraced whatever was going on activity wise. Um, and that's what's allowed me to reach out and meet new people. What's your favorite sport? Ooh, that's a great question. Uh, when I was younger, for sure, I, I mean, growing up in Toronto, I was a huge hockey fan. Uh, but with the expense of hockey, never really got to play. And growing up, I got to play like soccer. And then so basketball is the first sport, I think, that I would say uh, consumed my life, I would say, um, over anything. As soon as I hit like post teenager. So basketball was the first one. Um, but in all honesty, my favorite sport to watch is definitely football. Um, definitely my favorite sport to analyze too. I like the X's and O's and I think just the aspect of how much preparation goes into just one game and then you get, you know, uh, a couple snaps if you're a player and then a total of 11 minutes of actual action. Right. I, that's so awesome. Like it's, it's one of the greatest things I think ever created in sport. Like, uh, I was actually in the shower one day, Andrew, and I was, I was thinking in my head, like, what what would the guy that created football had had to have been doing to think that that would be like a great sport? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you snap the ball and these guys just collide at each other. Like, oh, that's you know, it's pretty uh, pretty medieval. And a lot of strategy in there, which is crazy. Oh, which is the awesome part. Like, how much yeah. preparation time? And that's like the important part of the game, right? Um, the X's and O's and the strategy that's involved. Um, and, and that's why I love the sport so much because, you know, you can see strategy in quarter one and it's a very different strategy in quarter four. And I just like, you know, being able to pivot like that. I think it's uh, it's a really great sport. Canadian football or NFL? Um, okay. We're only broadcasting this to the USA, right? Like, this is We're on the world wide web. What do you mean? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I apologize to my fellow Canadians. Um, definitely NFL. Though. Really? Who's your team? I'm a Packers fan. I'm a big Packers okay. fan. Uh, when I was growing up, um, you couldn't not watch football and see one of those Wrangler jeans commercials of Brett Favre. <laughs> yeah. Three MVPs in a row. And, yeah, he's a beast. Uh, he was a beast. And I, I don't know, I've never seen a guy's veins pop so much when throwing a football, actually, in my life. So uh, Brett Favre was definitely the guy to carry the torch to make me a Packers fan. What's kind of the dream job for you? 
So dream job for me, um, you know, it's, it's pivoted. I'll be honest with you at first coming into actually, even when I was younger, I always wanted to just be the GM of a team. Mm-hmm. I wanted to manage personnel, but I also wanted to manage kind of the culture that we put around the personnel that comes into a building. And the older I got, the more I studied, I realized it's, I'd rather take an effect on that set on the ladder, the culture part. Um, so I think for me, it, I saw a role actually posted at MLSE and I, you know, I pinned it, saved it because that's something I, I'd want to do in my future. And it's a director. It's now moved to a, a senior vice president of culture and diversity. Oh, nice. So like for me growing up, like culture and diversity was uh, like a big thing for me because I was usually the only like the only brown guy on any team. <laughs> um, and then eventually, um, as you know, the world got bigger, more aggregation happened, everything expanded so diverse now. Uh, but I want to make sure that uh, I play a role in how we advocate and how we consider absolutely everybody to participate at an equitable level. And I think, you know, in the last few years, more and more teams have kind of created that position, um, you know, to really make, you know, make a difference. So I think that's great. What would you say is your biggest um, skill or asset that you'd bring to your new position? Yeah, absolutely. Um, For me, I'm, I'm really resourceful, I would say. Um, So like, you know, I've had different roles or even in my personal life, educational life, um, at times I've been given limited resources and, you know, I've had to learn to take whatever that is given to me and make the most out of it. Um, so whether that's, you know, having a tool or technology that had limitations and we were trying to meet a, a sales objective, um, I had to just figure out a way. Um, and I think that's something that I really do bring to the table. Um, and, and the one that actually helps me get over that, I'm sorry, you asked for one, I'm going to give you two. Um, and what gets me over that is, is my interpersonal skills. Um, so, you know, in anything I've ever done, I've always had to like gather requirements or gather information. Um, and being resourceful is using your network and using the people uh, that are around you that have that type of intellect or have that knowledge base and gaining insights from them and then being able to apply it. So if I had limitations within myself, um, I reach out to those that have that capability and make sure that I can learn from them and then in turn apply it myself. That's great. How about on the flip side? What do you need to work on? What, uh, oh, <laughs> uh, I wrote a couple down. Uh, yeah. So for myself, my digital acumen, I'll be honest, is probably not that to that of someone that's, you know, in their 20s that's been using social media for the last 10 years. Um, so my social media accounts personally, I, I, am not one that posts a lot. Um, but you know, for someone that wants to be engaging with the community and want that outreach, I think it's important that I do share aspects of my life in order to, to garner that from others. And I'm well aware of that. It's just, uh, I, I guess I want to make sure I'm sharing the right things. And, mm-hmm. um, especially now with the pandemic, that's the only way I can keep in touch with people. Yeah. So that was a big learning lesson for me and something that I'm looking to apply um, day in and day out moving forward. It's, it could be such an asset if utilized properly. I mean, yeah. that's, that's for sure. So um, I'm, you know, I feel like a dinosaur compared to most of the people I work with because uh, they're in their twenties, but um, yeah, that's, it's an area I constantly am trying to uh, 
yeah. learn as well and, and oh, get better. You have the hairline on me. So, I mean, I'm in my twenties. You still got the hair going. <laughs> you feel younger just after this. Uh, 41, man. 41. Are you 41? Yeah. Wow. Man. Yep. You do not, uh, I'm sure your wife appreciates that uh, you don't look 41. So. Yeah. Well, they all say I look older, you know, my kids and they like to bust my chops, but uh, that's all right. <laughs> Feel right? Yeah. Hey, I feel good. In my mind, I'm in my twenties. So (laughs) now, when I go out and run or do something else, I feel like I'm in my sixties. So, (laughs) so how would you um, define success? Would I define success? Um, Great question. Um, For me, I would define success when I know that I can now use my accomplishments. Uh, to help other people. Um, so for me, it's, it's, it's great if I'm able to, you know, make a certain amount of money or for me personally, um, able to impact a lot of lives through the help of an organization. But I want to have a, like either a skill set or I want to have some sort of ability to take on exactly what you're doing, like have some sort of platform, um, have some experience where I can now go out into the community and personally try to engage them and see what I can do to offer and help them. Um, So for me, success would be able to take my accomplishments that I've been able to uh, collect uh, and then in turn help someone else reach that and and possibly even go beyond. Kind of walk me through your resume a little bit. You know, did you have any internships during college and um, and then what happened after college? What kind of roles were you in? Yeah. um, So when I was in undergrad, I took HR. And so post HR, I was actually um, so at that time, going through school, I was a server. So, um, so that that's what helped me put myself through school. Um, and then, so I was working as a server, and I had the opportunity to interview as a recruiter um, for an IT company. And this is back in 2017. And I go into the recruiter interview, and I was going to be in house, like trying to find resources. And I'm talking to the interviewer, and he's like, "You know what, Arvin? Though we want you to be business development." We want you to go <laughs> on the BD side. We want you out in the world. And I said, okay, let's, let's talk about it. So they introduced the role and I took on the business development role. So that was the nice. very first role I had out of school. Um, and then from there, I did pivot onto a, a more in-house recruiting role um, at a marketing company. Um, and then it wasn't until I had a conversation at that marketing company where I decided to pivot towards sport. Um, so then I had, you know, a ticket sales role at the Toronto rock. Um, and then I started working really in the not-for-profit and the community outreach space where I'm working with Kidsport Ontario, writing grants. Um, and then I had, uh, an opportunity to be on the administrative side of grant writing where I work with Canadian Tire Jumpstart. Um, so we were evaluating grants and really providing customer service to any beneficiaries that received uh, funding support. Um, and then now I actually just launched my own business to write some grants and help not-for-profits um, go out, um, request the ability to apply for funding, and then actually write the funding application for them so that they can execute the programs even during such a trying time like the pandemic and, of course, sustain that uh, for the future. Nice. I know how difficult grant writing can be, too. I've served on a bunch of nonprofits, and it's you know, it's, there's a lot of paperwork, <laughs> a lot of paperwork, a lot, a lot of paperwork, a lot of details. What, um, any role you like the most out of, you know, what you've done? 
For me personally, um, so actually one of my favorite stints, it was a, a small internship that I did last summer. Um, and it was to consult with a podcast. Um, so this podcast is currently called the Hockey Illuminati. Um, it's hosted by a guy named Frank Karupi. He was looking for an intern to come on um, to help rebrand the podcast and then do any of the back end work so that he's ready on air to conduct his interviews. Um, and the reason I love that role so much is he allowed me to wear any hat I wanted. So he gave me the opportunity to, hey, um, he was jumping from a name called the Jock and Jill Show to now the Hockey Illuminati. So I worked with him um, to just take on the rebranding project. I told him, hey, listen, that really interests me as a consultant. I'd love to do that. So I went out, I hired our graphic designer. Um, we put together his mission, vision, um, company values. Um, then we went ahead and started researching what type of interviews to do, um, social media campaigns, started doing work on like social media calendars for him, uh, what kind of campaigns would be engaging, did some research on like podcast audience statistics on how people listen, are they second screening, where are they when they're listening so that he can cater his content towards that. Uh, and then of course did all the bios and the research behind all the interviews he conducted. Um, so that helped play a role in everything I do as a grant writer too, uh, where I know research and how much I work in preparation really helps uh, execute the job uh, at an optimal ability. Um, we talked about that. How about um, something more like personal? Like give us a personal fun fact. Personal. I always like asking this because it's always cool just to get yeah. something different. <laughs> You know, so I was listening to the different interviews trying to prepare. And that was the one question where I was like, I have no idea. Oh, come on, man. Uh, no, I, I got some. Um, so for me, there's two things I'll tell you. One is I was the youngest of four kids uh, for immigrant parents that had um, three daughters and then a son. Um, so for me, you know, and a lot of the time I joke about this with my buddies where I feel like the reason I got so in love with sport or became so in love with sports is just an overcompensation in the house. Like I didn't want to, <laughs> I didn't want to do all this stuff with, with the girls. And I was like, you right. know, how can I really showcase I'm a man? Um, and so I just, everything I did was all about opposite. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Just to make sure, you know, there was some good BO and some sweat in the house at all times, right. like things like that. It's got to smell like a locker room at least a little bit. A little bit, right? <laughs> Even at least when you're in my room, right? I yeah. Get a sense. Yeah, when you're in high school, it's got to be that way. I've got a high school son now. It's... I think I think there's a reason my mom went to Costco to buy all the speed stick and Old Spice. She kept that thing stocked because <laughs> she knew um, she did not want the rest of the house smelling like a locker room, yeah. for sure. So like I definitely overcompensated as a guy, but then, you know, that, that played a large part into who I am today. My favorite vacations um, are actually like road tripping. I, I enjoy a road trip over anything else. And the reason yeah. why is we're in North America and my, me and my buddy started this a couple of years ago where each summer we go down to the States for 4th of July and we check out new baseball stadiums each 4th of July. Nice. Um, by far my favorite vacation to go on and like, you know, I hope I marry a woman that's like, hey, we can do this as part of our honeymoon. Like, that would right. be fantastic. Where I'm just make give her a give her a questionnaire. If she doesn't check yes, then <laughs> oh, you just eliminated yourself. <laughs> I like that. Maybe maybe on date two. Maybe on date two. Yeah. I have the questionnaire out there. Uh, What's how many ballparks have you been to? You think? Uh, 
Um, around like nine or 10 now. About nice. Nine or 10. Um, my favorite one, if I could give you that, is Wrigley Field. Um, so yeah. we, and we caught a, we caught two games that day. We saw the White Sox at two o'clock. We saw the Cubbies at seven o'clock. That's sweet. Yeah. Oh, it was sweet. Um, never been in Wrigleyville or any place like that before in my life. Um, so we walk out after the fireworks, um, and it was like a night to remember. We were getting back to the hotel at like four thirty p.m. four thirty in the morning. Um, an absolute blast. Um, but Wrigley Field, just I guess the the history behind Wrigley Field. But I think just the fa- uh, the I guess how crazy all the fans get. Yeah, atmosphere is awesome. Atmosphere is crazy. Like they're yelling, they were yelling at uh, Addison Russell um, from, from our outfield. We're in the bleachers <laughs> in the back row and we're, we're trying to get every single player on the Cubs to, to kind of say hello to us. And um, these guys got super rowdy. And then we got like Addison Russell to say hello. We tried to get Chris Bryan over in third base, but uh, <laughs> he was zoned in that day. I think he hit a grand slam. So. Well, keep uh, try to get to those other ballparks, man. It's a lot of fun to be as many as you can, and hopefully, you know, we can help get you some exposure. Um, the last question is: Are you open to relocating? Absolutely. Um, so, actually, especially right before the pandemic, I had finished my my last role at, at the end of 2019 on a contract, and I started looking at the the market itself and where I could work, um, and I've two things to consider. I've never actually traveled by myself um, outside of, you know, just taking road trips. Um, So I realized I have nothing else here that can really um, keep me here, so to speak. I am open to going to Australia, New Zealand. I will go to, you know, South Alabama. I'm even considering a role um, that I saw with like 8,700 people. So community size doesn't matter to me place and geography doesn't matter to me. Um, I'm someone that's uh, looking forward to an experience where I go somewhere where I don't know anyone and I start building a network there. Um, so open to anywhere and everywhere. Great. I'm, that always helps open up options. So, yeah. I mean, I appreciate you joining me and uh, let's keep in touch. Let me know. I'm sure you're going to be back working soon. Yeah, I appreciate it, Andrew. Thanks so much for having me again. I appreciate the exposure and everything you're doing for uh, the rest of the industry. Um, And I hope to keep in touch and best of luck to you and the rest of the show. Thank you. All right. All right, we're back for another Free Agent Friday. And today I've got Cameron Carlin with me. How are you, Cameron? I'm so good. Thanks for doing this, Andrew. You're awesome. Thanks for joining me. So, Let's start off with, you know, your college days. You know, where'd you go to school, your degrees? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, Went to Trinity University in San Antonio, small liberal arts school. Uh, Loved it, loved every minute of it. I majored in communication with a minor in sport management, just like everyone else, right? Um, But I really, I I stood out because I did all the service leadership. I did the student ambassadors. I did tour guide. I was an RA at one point. And I just love that aspect of uh, leading a group of people towards a common goal. And so uh, I, I was lucky enough and uh, I was in San Antonio and the Spurs called and uh, I got to do a cool internship there. And uh, it, it was actually led into a full-time role. Um, and so it was an incredible journey and I'm just uh, so excited to see where it takes next, takes me next. What kind of um, role did you have on the internship? Was it kind of just general or was it any specific? 
That was a community engagement internship. Uh, I actually just got it from doing an informational interview one day. I called up. I said, hey, look, this is what I would love wow. to do. <laughs> yeah. uh, and luckily someone answered, right? Uh, <laughs> the worst they could say was no. Uh, yeah. I called and so I, I got in that interview and then they said, let me introduce you to someone else. And so then that led to another informational interview. And then by the time the interview came around for the internship, I knew all of them. Uh, right. And I knew my drive and my passion. Uh, so that was super exciting to actually lead into that role um, to, to an intern. And then that led into a, an associate role. And then it led into a full-time role after that. At what point did you decide you wanted to work in sports? Yeah, uh, that was a good question. Uh, it, it's not just for being a fan of sports. It actually came from when I was little, when I was about 10 years old. And I actually went to the youth academy of the Houston Astros. Are you familiar with those at all? Mm-mm. So most MLB teams pretty much have a youth academy where they set up in an underserved area and they provide free baseball and softball lessons for kids. Uh, and I actually showed up one day and I got to take part in it. And they don't just teach you how to be a great baseball player. They teach you how to be a major league citizen there. Um, and that was, that was incredible. I learned leadership, character traits, how to say yes, sir, yes, ma'am, manners. Um, and, and that's where I, not, not at 10 years old, but maybe around 16 or 17, I really fell in love with out doing that for someone else and being in a position where I could help others use that platform of a professional sports team to uh, engage in the community and offer that kind of support for them. And uh, that led on and did a couple internships along the way, and that really just hit home and, and really showed me that I was on the right path. How about um, another internship with Major League Baseball? What would you do there? Major League Baseball, incredible, dream job. Uh, that was with the uh, Baseball and Softball Development Group. Uh, and that's really, uh, when Manfred came in, he was big on youth sports and getting kids playing the game because then they're going to be fans of the game later on. Uh, so that was really with the RBI uh, front. Just, just like how you got hooked. Let me tell you how I got that. That, <laughs> that was incredible. That's a story. So uh, the winter meetings, you know those? Yep. Uh, went to that big price to pay. I saw it as an investment in my career, but you yeah. have to pay for a hotel, airfare, everything. The conference um, was there for about five days. On the last day, walking around the trade show, not the job fair, the trade show, just talking to people. You never know who you're bumping elbows with. Um, after 30 minutes of conversation with the guy, uh, he hands me a business card. And he says, I'd really like you to apply for our internship. You really impressed us. And I looked down at the business card. It says vice president of major league baseball. And so I, I had no idea. Um, and he was baseball and softball development, uh, which was in charge of the RBI and youth academies that I, had, I was growing up with. And so I was just sharing my passion and my experiences. Um, and he said, it's in New York. If you can come, we'd love to have you. Uh, so I applied and there was about four or five rounds of interviews. Um, but I ended up getting it, uh, moved up to New York. Ooh, loved it. New York City, 21. How much better can it get? Um, my sister lives up there with a, my niece, and so I got to spend some great nice. time with him. Um, as far as projects go, um, one big project that I did was play ball park. So at the All-Star Games, um, they have this play ball park that's kind of at the convention area for kids and for families to go and spend time with. I had to organize about 1,400 kids to show up in Cleveland, Ohio. From wow. New York. I was working in New York. Um, but just called local uh, nonprofits, youth organizations around Cleveland, said, hey, will you show up at this time uh, and hope they show up. But uh, you have those, that communication there and you're communicating to MLB to say this group is here at this time, this group's here at this time. 
and then USA Baseball, USA Softball. So it, it was an incredible platform. And to learn that at such a young age and to be able to have those communication skills and uh, problem solving skills for when a group doesn't show up, what do you do next? It, it was so awesome. And they flew me from flat, from Florida to California. And we went to Boston. Uh, wow. Going after those RBI regionals. It's kind of like a little league world series. Okay. But um, for RBI, it's for underserved communities to give them the opportunity to play baseball and softball. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It was, it was like, Is that kind of similar to the program that um, you attended as a kid? So, yeah, very similar. Okay. Same program. And so once we actually got to – at the end of the program, it's called the World Series, and they fly all of these teams that won their regionals to one city. Um, and at the World Series, I actually got to sit on a, a, a seminar, a committee, um, and a host – or a, what do you call them? A panel? There we go. That's yeah. the right terminology. Uh, I got to sit on a panel and talk to these kids and say, I was exactly in your shoes. And I grew up in that program and look at where I'm, what I'm doing now. Um, yeah. Hard work, dedication, always having a smile on your face, asking where you can help. Um, and and it, it was an incredible opportunity for me. Uh, that's cool. What is your um, kind of position you're looking for now? I was in my dream role whenever this whole COVID hit. Uh, I was... I had the ability to run a youth league. We ran the Spurs Youth Basketball League, which was about 10,000 kids all across South Texas, um, where we'd provide jerseys and lower the cost of basketball for kids. Um, and we were able to teach those, those awesome traits. Coach Popovich is an uh, amazing person, and he started this uh, no drug and alcohol league, um, and it turned into the Spurs Youth Basketball League. So we're able to use the platform of sports to help uh, influence and to help these kids come into world-class citizens. And that's really what I'm looking for in my next role is to use sports as a, a vehicle to um, teach those leadership character traits um, because we know that they love sports, they love playing. So there's a motivation yep. there. Um, so just using that and um, trying to, I, I love sports and, and I, I think kids do too. And so I, I really wanna find something maybe like a community relations coordinator uh, in youth sports open to relocation no doubt um i'm young right yeah. uh, i love traveling i love um working and i know how little the jobs are out there so there's, yeah. there's no limits where i would go uh, overseas london no no idea okay. um i really i think that my background and my experiences they're so diverse and they're in mba and mlb at the league office at an independent baseball level Yep. Um, I feel like I have a lot to offer to the table. I just need a foot in the door to where I can prove myself. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times, I mean, it's, you know, there's hundreds of people that apply for jobs, you know, how do you stick out? Hopefully our video can help. And, um, you know, I mean, you got a great background here, so, um, I don't think you'll be out long. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Um, I mean, incredible industry that we work in, uh, or that I did work in. Hopefully I am. <laughs> but the people that you work with are awesome. You spend more time with uh, your, your work team than you do with your actual family. And yeah. I've, it's proven time and time again that those people are awesome. Just like you're doing, Andrew, with this show. Uh, we look out for each other and we're yeah. very, uh, we know how lucky we are to where, where we work. And so I'm, I'm super passionate and super pumped to see where my next step is. What would you say is your biggest skill um, that you'll bring to a new position? Yeah, um, I'm big on customer service. Um, I think that 
our customer is the one that's right in every situation and we're trying to put a smile on their face. Um, so I'm doing everything I can, whether it be prepping for an event or at an actual event, uh, follow-up survey, how can we make it better? I think that's where you have successful events is whenever your participants enjoy coming uh, and they spread the word and it's mouth to mouth and they're able to talk to other people and say, hey, have you checked this out? Because they're, they're your most important asset to any event. And so I, I, I lose sleep over how do we make an event better for the participant? Um, I would say that asset, I, I, I'm incredibly efficient. I, I work hard just like everyone else. Uh, hopefully I work harder than anybody else, but um, that efficiency is really what can I do with the least amount of time possible, least amount and least amount of resources. Um, one example of this would be, uh, we actually, I actually wrote a book uh, for Spurs Give about a month, month ago. Ooh, time flies. Um, but it was, it's called The Coyote Family Stays Home. I have a copy here and I'll, I'll show you. Um, but we were able to use that platform that the Spurs have in the world and talk about COVID. How does uh, the mascot coyote, how does he stay healthy, happy um, and during this time? And so we, I actually wrote that book and we pushed it out, made it in English and Spanish. It was a free downloadable book online. Um, and, and I had three months to do it and I was able to knock it out. So it was, it was super awesome. And nice. that started a, um, a reading challenge that we did with Waterburger. Do you know what Waterburger is? Oh, yeah. I, I just saw they're, they're expanding to Tennessee and Missouri. So. Yeah, <laughs> so. That's all. That's in and out, um, out that California in and out. Yeah. So um, Waterburger jumped on board and we were able to promote literacy. Um, so it's not in that youth sports front that I was originally in, but I was able to um, expand and to use my resources and my um, skills to put out a book, which is pretty unique. What would you say is the biggest area you need to work on? Yeah, um, I'm big on feedback and figuring out where I can get better because as soon as you identify what your uh, weakest at, that just only makes you that that much better moving forward. So yeah. I would say one of my strengths efficiency is one of my weaknesses as well. Uh, because when you're going at that fast tempo and you're trying to get as productive as possible, you do sometimes lose that detail, lack of detail in projects. And so I've really worked on that in my past two experiences because I really was able to flag that early on um, and see, wow, you are moving a lot faster than uh, a lot of the others. And so being able to slow down at points um, and make sure that you're being intentional with the words that you're using, uh, making sure that you're not losing that attention to detail uh, in projects. And so I'm able to uh, acknowledge it and then work on it. And hopefully it's improving every day. Nice. How, tell me about your, um, the podcast you started last week. Like what's that all about? Podcast. Thank you for letting me promote my podcast. Yeah. Um, that was just a fun project, just sitting on my butt, making sure that I'm not doing anything, um, that I'm actually being productive. So that was called the Youth Sports Coaching 101 Podcast. And okay. that is a, a fun project for me because I got to talk to key leaders and industry leaders in youth sports. Um, and we really just put out some tips and some resources for coaches to learn and grow. Um, because I know a lot of coaches go to seminars or workshops and I was really looking for a fun and accessible way for coaches to grow and to develop the young athletes. And so I, I thought no more than a podcast, just like you have, uh, yeah. they can download it from their phone and we've gotten some great feedback. Uh, the reviews are awesome. Like hearing it from a coach all the way in California, talk about how sweet, you isn't it? Yeah. There's no better feeling. And you did it from the comfort of your couch. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool. 
uh, we have about three episodes right now, and I've, I've been able to use my network to spread that knowledge and that expertise out to the world. What do you, do you have it on? Um, oh, uh, pod, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Okay. Um, that's where we're at right now. Okay, cool. So are you planning to do that like once a week or what's the plans for that? Uh, so I put out three episodes, just a feeler, just see yeah. what it's like. Um, I'm planning on doing another three episodes here pretty soon. Uh, I might, you might look out for a phone call from me because I might be asking for some advice. Uh, yeah, hey, anytime. Yeah, just using that network because I have this awesome platform where I have these this access to vice president of youth sports for Major League Baseball or yeah. the San Antonio Spurs that not many people have. And so I want to make sure that that's cool. Sure. Yeah. Now's a great time to get some information out there and uh, like you're helping, helping other people. Yeah. And you know, that cool. one person, that's enough for me. Right. I don't need to do the masses while well, that'd be great and right. awesome. And I could get an advertisement. Uh, that'd be <laughs> awesome. But that one person to know that they're going to be able to be on the right path and changing lives using sports to impact leadership and character traits. That that's enough for me. How about a, um, give us a fun fact about you. Ooh, fun facts. Uh, okay. So you're ready for this one. Yeah. I, I trained alpacas for the Houston rodeo. Uh, do, you, do you know what an alpaca is? Is that like the furry thing? <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but you're right on. You're right on. I mean, it's like a llama. Um, it's just it's, a little computer. Yeah. I didn't realize how big of a market that is because where my office is now, it's in an expo center because they're building our stadium. Yeah. And beautiful stadium, by the they, way. Thank awesome. you. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. They told me that they did it's alpaca alpaca shows there. Yeah. And the the GM was telling me how huge it was and how much money there is in this. I'm like, what in the it's world? like a it's like a glorified sheep. So it's a more luxurious version of a sheep. Um, you're still using that fiber. You're not using the meat or anything. It's strictly just the fiber. Um, and you make soft and warm uh, clothes. Down here in the south, it's not as um, important. But up there in the north, when you have a warm coat or warm right. coat, um, that's where we make the most of our products. And so I was actually able to help with the social media front uh, for that, for our farm. And it was a fun process. to. Was it on the resume, man? Come on. Oh, dude. Uh, <laughs> I got to edit that resume now. Uh, I'm back into that feeling. I think I owe you a resume, so I'll get that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll make sure to put that on there. No, man, it was, it was good talking to you and hearing about the projects that you were working on. And, and, uh, I, you know, I love the energy number one, you know, it sounds like you'd, you'd be a great person to have, you know, on the staff somewhere. So, you know, I, I think, uh, things are starting to, you know, kind of getting a little bad and now they're, you know, teams are starting, stuff starting to kind of get back. It's going to be a little slow, but um, keep doing what you're doing on the podcast. Stay active, stay, keep networking, and uh, stuff will work out. It's just like when you met that VP of baseball. You never know. Right. You know, LinkedIn's a great tool. Right. And, and Andrew, thank you again for doing this for not only me, but for others. Uh, and I'll continue to support you and anybody else. Uh, if anybody on here, maybe it's a college student or anybody that's looking in the sport industry, I'm more than happy to get on a phone and just share my experience or how I could help. Um, I got as much time on my hands as ever, so looking to help. All right, we're back again for another Free Agent Friday. Today we've got uh, Dylan Hammond joining me. How are you, Dylan? I'm doing well, Andrew. How are you? Doing real good. It's a beautiful day today. 
<laughs> always, always. <laughs> so, hey, tell me about your college experience. So, I'm originally from uh, Columbus, Ohio, and went uh, just about two hours west uh, to Miami University in Oxford. Um, so, I went there as an undergrad, um, started in 2014, graduated in 18. It really wasn't until probably my sophomore year that um, sports is really the direction that I wanted to go. Um, so went through about a full year trying to really figure out, you know, as, a, as an undecided, you know, the direction I wanted to go. It was really the, the first year of college was my first year without playing sports at all, too. So um, kind of gave me an option to, you know, really scratch that itch a little bit to get back in into sports since I wasn't playing as much. So getting back in and, and you know, learning about the business side of it, started working for the athletics department. So um, started that sophomore year and then kind of worked my way through um, through the rest of college there in the athletics department doing various internships during the summer. So it was really great, great four years at Miami. I uh, love the university and, you know, it really was the first taste of, of the business side of sports that I was able to get. What really drew you to the sports industry? I'd say overall, it was just, you know, knowing that from, you know, as young as, as, as young as I can remember, you know, six years old playing sports really for the first time um, as a team sport. And then, you know, up, up through senior year of high school, um, you know, going into freshman year of college, I had, you know, taken a step back, had a, had a potential opportunities to play, play a couple different club sports, but decided not to go that route. And instead, you know, after about a year of, of really not doing anything outside of like intramurals or recreation, um, you know, there was kind of a want to get back into that or at least kind of have that experience of being a part of the team again, um, obviously just not as a player. So, um, you know, when I worked for the athletic department at Miami, uh, I was doing equipment management for um, the men's and women's basketball team and women's volleyball. So being able to be a part of that team again, get out on the court a little bit and, and, you know, just have that experience was a, was huge. And, and that's kind of what I really missed about, you know, about being an athlete. So just kind of getting that experience behind the scenes was, was really what drew me back in. What um, sports did you play in high school? So I was a water polo player in the fall and the summer and then uh, did basketball in the winter. Nice. Yeah. When you were um, at Miami university, um, did you have any other internships outside of the university there? Yeah. So a couple early on in college, it was really just to, you know, help make money, help pay for school a little bit. And it really, it probably wasn't until summer going into senior year that I really took a, a, a leap in, in the sports internship world. Um, in Cincinnati, they have the Western and Southern tennis open, um, which was really the first events and operations focused um, internship that I had, I had worked before. And in, in conjunction with that, I worked uh, with USA Football. They had a local, um, up in Canton, Ohio, they had a, a local development camp going on for their youth teams. So had an opportunity to work operations for that as well. So those two really kind of kick-started outside of Miami, the, the new experiences that I got in sports. So when you got, uh, after you graduated, what was kind of your first role coming out of school? Yeah, so um, Back in, I think it was probably over spring break, my senior year, when I got the offer for an internship with the Browns, doing a summer training camp there, and then worked with them through the season on, on game days in, a, in various capacities. So the Browns, which was a, started in July, just kind of with the training camp um, beginning and end, and, you know, really had to find out, you know, what was I going to do beforehand, and, and came across a really neat opportunity with um organization called Living Sport LLC, which offers, they do an international sports business program, taking 
20 to 30 students abroad to work an international sporting event. So back in June of 2018, had the opportunity to travel to London, worked the Royal Windsor Triathlon over there. And that was probably, it was the first time I'd ever been out of the country. Um, I never took the chance to, to do a study abroad program at Miami. So this was really, the, you know, the first leap outside of the state of Ohio. I, I really had never worked a job out of Ohio before. Um, really hadn't taken a big trip except for, you know, like a summer or spring vacation. So um, really jumped at the opportunity to go abroad. We spent 10 days over there, uh, traveled around London and, and worked an event. So, you know, it was just a, a huge experience coming out of college. And I think that really kind of jumpstarted my career once I graduated. That's, it's pretty cool. I mean, I've been, uh, I've met a few people that have gone through the living sport um, program and uh, sounds really cool. You know, What's I mean, just, I mean, for a week or two, whatever it is going over there, overseas, you know, an experience of a lifetime. Yeah, well, and, and just that, and, and you know, outside of it, you know, with a lot of study abroad programs, like you're going over there, you're you're taking your classes and, and you're traveling around. But I think you know, adding on that work experience on top of that, just really absolutely such a well-rounded program. And even since then, I've had the chance to continue traveling with them. I went to Milan a few months after that with Living Sport, and then this past December, um, we took a group to to Cancun to work um, one of their other partner events. So, and it sounds rough. It sounds rough. <laughs> Yeah, I know you don't get probably much time to do anything, but uh, when they come knocking, it's hard to, it's hard to tell them no, like to go on a, another trip. So, you yeah. know, many of those experiences as possible. It's been, a, it's been awesome. So um, how about after that? Any, um, what was your next role? Yeah. So kind of my steps through following graduation, um, you know, finished up with living sport, then started my, uh, my internship with, with the Cleveland Browns. Um, and then right after training camp, spent a little bit of time with the Greater Cleveland Sports Commission as an intern. Um, so spent about two months there and then transitioned into my first full-time role. I worked for the Cleveland Cavaliers doing a partnership activation in their corporate partnerships department. So that was really that first jump into a full-time role. Um, spent about nearly a full season with them um, before I moved out here to Colorado with, with USA Triathlon. Um, so I've been out here for um, pretty close to a year and a half now, uh, moved out in, in early March of, of uh, 2019. So um, yeah, it's been a, an awesome experience out here. I'm a events coordinator with USA Triathlon and, you know, getting back to kind of the living sport experience, going over to London, working the Royal Windsor Triathlon. I think I can really attest the role that I'm in now to the experience that I had abroad there. Um, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, what helps students stand out when they're when they're finishing up school and, and kind of vying for that first full time position. And I think that experience, that unique experience of traveling abroad and then also working a triathlon over there kind of just really impressed the team here and, and was fortunate enough to uh, to get that role. What kind of role are you looking for now? Like what would be an ideal position for you? You know, I'd, I'd say kind of that events role, the operations focus is, is always been my strong suit. And it's always been something that I've been, I've been drawn to. Um, and, and I, I say it a lot and, and I said it, you know, when, when USA triathlon first posted the position for the events coordinator was, you know, I really, I probably to start out, I couldn't have written a better job description for what I wanted to do. Um, and, and I think now it's really, you know, how can I push the envelope to, you know, do a little bit more, um, and I think that's one thing that's kind of helped with this role is there's a lot to kind of expand on and do beyond the job description, the kind of other duties as assigned. Um, <laughs> yeah. I see you a little the, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> finding the cool like niche way to, uh, 
to make the role your own. So looking, yeah. you know, for, for those opportunities and stuff. And I think now it's really, you know, I think I'm in a position where, you know, I've, I've really, you know, started to become that kind of expert in this role and I'm really trying to figure out, you know, how can I take that next step to then, you know, achieve that kind of overarching, you know, dream job or dream role. So. Are you, uh, um, any kind of, you know, events or things you worked on that you're most proud of while you've been there? <laughs> yeah, on, honestly, it was unfortunate with, with, um, you know, all of our events that we own and operate have been canceled this year just due to the pandemic. Um, and, and it was kind of unfortunate because just taking that step from year one to year two, um, we had a lot of, a lot of cool ancillary pieces to our events outside of the racing itself that, that we had planned. And, and I was kind of in charge of spearheading a lot of those pieces. So a lot, we, we did a lot of the pre-planning for it and it was pretty much all in place, just wait, waiting for us to uh. site and put on the event. So, you know, unfortunately a lot of, a lot of what we had planned for this year, um, is, is going to fall through, but, um, but I'm excited to, to start in 2021 once we get hit the ground running and, and hopefully see all of that stuff come to fruition. So yeah, a few, a few different things, you know, that we were working on outside of just the racing itself that, you know, I'm, I was really excited for, but obviously having to wait a, another year for it to happen. Yeah, it's rough. Um, how about, what would you say is your biggest, um, skill that you'll bring to a new position? Honestly, I never would have said this back in college, but I, I would, I would say it's probably my creativity and just kind of that, that creative mindset that I bring to the table. Um, that's one thing I think I've, I've excelled in my role currently with triathlon is the ability to come in and just view, you know, the job differently than what's actually written down, um, coming in and, and looking at our events and saying, you know, how can we do it differently or what can we add to make it a, you know, a better experience. Um, and, and, you know, that's one thing, you know, that I think has helped kind of my progression with, with triathlon and, and obviously have, have, you know, worked hard to, to make our events bigger and better. Um, so having that creative mindset, um, I'd say, you know, I, I never really create considered myself a creative person. Cause you know, I, I feel like most people think of that as like, you know, you're artsy or, you know, you're, you're musically inclined and things like that, which I definitely am not. But I think when it comes to like creating something, um, from an event standpoint, um, has, has really, you know, I've been able to thrive in recently. You got to have vision, you know, you got to be able to see what isn't there right now when you're creating, yeah. especially when you're creating new stuff. So it's definitely a big asset. What would you say is the area you need to work on the most? I think it's the kind of the risk taking, you know, I, I seem to, I'm, I've always been a very analytical person. So making sure that, you know, the numbers line up and everything makes sense. Um, and, and, you know, especially with, you know, trying to take, you know, events and things like that to the next level. Sometimes you can't always look at things analytically. You have to take some time and be like, Whoa. we're going to go for it. And, and, you yeah. know, if it works out, you know, that's a huge win. And if it doesn't, you know, we can tweak it and make adjustments and things. So I think, you know, that, that opportunity is, is really to kind of push the envelope a little bit and, and take more risks. Are you um, open to relocation? That was, I'd say the the one thing holding me back from, from the first time when I got the offer with USA Triathlon is, you know, I, as I mentioned, never worked a job out of Ohio before. It was really, it was Columbus, it was Oxford when I was at Miami, and then it was in Cleveland after graduation. So outside of those three cities really didn't have a lot of experience. And, and it was, it, it took a, a lot of soul searching to say, like, I'm going to take that leap and, and drive the big, the big 20 move. hours out to Colorado. So, yeah, I mean, that was 
I'd say, you know, when it comes to relocation and things like that, this was a, it was a huge challenge and, and, you know, it took, it took a lot of thought to, to finally, you know, say, you know, it, it, the experience is worth, is worth it. And then getting out here and, and taking this type of type of role. Yeah. How would you, um, define success? I would say, you know, pushing the boundaries, as I mentioned, you know, you, you look at a job description, you kind of see what those standards are. And those are the expectations when you come into the role is, you know, here are the things that we expect you to get done on the day-to-day basis. And at the end of the year, you know, all these are going to be checked off. But then, you know, when you reevaluate at the end of the year, what did you do differently? Did you bring something different to the table? Um, You know, were you creative? Did you take risks? So defining success is, you know, what did you do to go beyond, you know, just that description that, that you would look at, um, from your, from your job's perspective and then kind of making the job your own. So, you know, that's one thing I've, I've looked to do a lot in this role. And as I mentioned, you know, coming in with a creative mindset and trying to figure out, you know, what hasn't been done before or what has been done and how can we do it better? So, you know, bringing, you know, that mindset to the table, I think, you know, it impresses people and they notice that. And that's when, you, you know, you really start to get that trust in others to, you know, be able to take those risks. And I think that's where I'm coming into that into that mindset a little bit where, you know, people are starting to trust me to be able to take those risks. And I think that's, what's going to help me kind of take that next step. How about a personal fun fact about you? So when we were working uh, Cleveland Browns training camp um, after graduation in 2018, it was actually the, the summer that the Browns had a uh, hard knocks. Um, okay. <laughs> camp. So, so yeah, we had HBO all around and, and, you know, we would watch it, like the group of our, our interns would watch it together pretty much every, every time it aired. And just, you know, we were pointing out everybody that showed up on camera and you know, we, all, all of our duties ranged from, you know, we had people helping out on the field. We had like inflatables and stuff um, for the, for the fans that were and the spectators that were in attendance for training camp, other people working the main gate to uh, check tickets and stuff. So, you know, it'd be the, you'd, you'd see people in the funniest spaces. There was a, one of our, one of our interns was in a shot with Miles Garrett right behind him flexing. So he was standing right in front of Miles Garrett as he was walking and flexing to the camera. So some of those small tidbits of, of camp, you know, were, it was kind of the funniest thing and, and almost like a little blooper for our intern team. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool to be looking for that. Um, I take, are you a Buckeyes fan, you know, being from Columbus oh, or? Yeah, big time. Dad, dad worked for Ohio State for a number of years um, and probably since 99. So yeah, I always grew up, went to a handful of football games a year. So probably the coolest place I've watched a college football game. Now I haven't been to many college football games, but I will say it was awesome. A hundred plus thousand people and just, rocking so what, what game or who, who would who would they play hell it was against like uh i i saw him against cincinnati so early season games cincinnati was one and uh ohio is it ohio university or university mm-hmm. yeah like whatever's down in is it athens yeah um which they yeah you know, i mean that was they were they were both blowouts but um still i mean it was a, a cool experience and I used to live in Canton, Ohio for, for seven years. So, um, that was fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen it all, all the heartbreaks and all the good wins. I remember yeah. that I was at like the USC game uh, back in, what was it? Probably 2011, um, when we played him at home. And then I was at the Vatech game in 14 when we lost, fortunately we ended the season well, but yeah, I've been, been definitely been in some heartbreaks, but have been to plenty of Michigan games where we, uh, where we, uh, Definitely.
think I, I you froze up on me. Can you hear me? Oh yeah, I can hear you. Okay. I'll just I'll cut that part out that uh when you froze up. Can you see me or yeah. okay. The internet was unstable for a minute, so um, let's see. Well, thanks for joining me, Dylan. I appreciate it. It was great to hear about your uh, fun adventures from Ohio to Colorado. Um, hopefully, we can, uh, you know, continue to watch you uh, develop your career. So, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. I appreciate it, and thanks for the time. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Free Agent Fridays on The Andrew Haynes Show. If you or anyone you know would be interested in coming on the show or want to get in contact with one of the guests, please reach out to Andrew on LinkedIn.